Welcome to another episode of That One Movie Podcast, also known as Tomp, the weekly show where we discuss movies, games, and TV shows in addition to kind of whatever. Mainly, we just shout nonsense into our microphones. I'm your host, Holden Sutter, joined by my co-host, Jimmy Youthy. Well, using my deductive reasoning skills, I think that we're going to do a little review of that Glass Onion movie. And if you thought that was bad, you should hear Daniel Craig's. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i think daniel craig's is like it's it's like charming though oh i wow all right hold on i get it that's fine <laughs> no that was bad that was it was better when i practiced it beforehand hold on you know the pressure of doing the podcast <laughs> anyway we've got a great episode for you this week featuring our reviews of glass onion a knives out mystery which is on netflix and we're also going to finally do our review of god of war ragnarok because we've both now platinumed it so. yeah holden finally got around to platinum it so we're good to go yeah yeah <laughs> i was dragging my feet i was yep. dragging my feet sandbagger that one movie podcast but first, Jimmy, we have to do the toms. Well, right now, let's do the toms. The toms, the toms, the toms, the toms. Tom's is a rapid fire segment where we rate the news of the week in the world of entertainment on a scale of three famous Tom's Brokaw, Bombadil, and Bergeron. Brokaw's the highest, Bombadil's the lowest, and Bergeron is somewhere in between. Jimmy, let's get to it. Holden, I can't believe you didn't um, you know, tell us about our special guest that we had have here today, which Matthew McConaughey. You know, you didn't introduce him. He's on the podcast. Well, hello everybody. Oh. How are you doing? Oh. <laughs> I mean, why even rate See, uh, to the news? I mean, isn't it all just futile in the end? Is that your Matthew McConaughey and true detective impression? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Olden. He's standing right next to me. You can see him on Skype. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I sorry. Mean, that's He's doing pretty, his bit it's from pretty true detective. You, pretty rude of you to say that to me. I mean, I can try to I'm do my Benoit. I'm just not Benoit. recognizing him as a person. I can try to do my <laughs> Benoit Blanc, but, you know, like, I don't even know what that would sound like. Would it even be good? Anyway, Jimmy, you guys want to talk about <laughs> Matthew like McConaughey? Uh, you can call Matthew. Uh, we'll get to you in a minute. Um, but first, we have more important things. <laughs> the first off of being uh, we have the a new knock at the cabin trailer, um, which is M. Night Shyamalan's new movie. Um, we talked about the previous trailer, thought it looked interesting. But in true M. Night Shyamalan fashion, it probably won't be. The movie won't be. What do you think of this? Oh, I would disagree. Uh, okay, I would I, say I, M Night always brings entertainment okay. to the table. Yeah, yeah. Poor phrasing. I yeah. He, it'll be interesting. It just probably won't be good. And it's an excuse to say M Night Shyamalan ding dong. A few of more course. Times. Every we time have to jump at the chance of that. Every time M Night Shyamalan comes up and I have to put him down in the notes, I always forget how to spell his last name. And I was like, "There's a Y in there somewhere. There's a lot of A's." Yeah, I wrote it down in the notes, checked it. I actually got it right this time, Holden. And oh, I said, nice. "Learn spelling on my computer." So hopefully that will help me out in the future. Yeah, yeah. It's a um, hard name. What do you think? 
It's a hard name to spell that. <laughs> would yeah. What'd you think of this uh, trailer, Jimmy? Uh, well, I you know it's M Night Shyamalan. Well, first off, Jonathan Groff is in it, so I have seen I've watched a season one point two seasons of Mindhunter in between oh, yeah. the, the teaser trailer <laughs> and this trailer coming out. I'm like, hey, well, Jonathan Groff, there he is. It's funny how that happens yeah, when you start he, watching something and then people just appear. He was the Agent Smith in the new Matrix too. Oh. That makes a lot of sense. And he's in Hamilton, but he's King King George in Hamilton. Oh my gosh, Holden, you're <laughs> <laughs> Wow. He's as great as King George. That's incredible. Uh, he's, your mind. He's, he, he's kind of stale. <laughs> And King George mm-hmm. is not. Uh, you are blowing my mind. It's like when I found I'm out James your mind McAvoy. as much as an IMDb page could. Yes. Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, James McAvoy. It's like finding out he was Mr. Tumnus. That that blew my mind. That blew my mind the first time too. Yeah, that's pretty. And then I went or whatever. So that really hurt to your ears to hear that. But whatever that Narnia lullaby is. Sometimes we put I the do not remember. <laughs> we put a fireplace, you know, on our TV. Even though we okay. have an actual fireplace, it doesn't work. So we have the fireplace on the TV and Emily and I kind of, you know, fire just kind of is mesmerizing. So we'll look at it and then I'll just start Gosh, my voice is not working today. Sorry. I don't think Everybody I could seems. I don't think I know. Like I don't remember anything from those well, movies. He so. he drugs a little girl. Mr. Tumnus <laughs> should probably be canceled well he did get turned to stone and anyway the trailer itself we went off on a tangent about jonathan groff got onto narnia but what what do we think of knock at the cabin well are you sure you don't want to talk about lincoln's no i certainly don't <laughs> that's rude holden to just brush off our guests like that uh knock at the cabin look they gotta sacrifice one of the three people and you know what to save the world but is it you know, is the world actually in danger? Um, we'll find out. It's. I think it's based off a book. So yeah, it is. Do you want? Yeah, because I remember when we first when we first talked about. I don't know if it was the first trailer or whatever, but I read somewhere like I was reading kind of the comments. It must have been the trailer. I was reading the comments under the first trailer, and a lot of people were like, "The book this is based off of is not good anyway." <laughs> like <laughs> it's apparently like most people don't even like the source material. So maybe M Night can improve on it. I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, that is a lot of faith. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just looking forward to an M9 movie. We were talking about this before the podcast. Mm-hmm. This is going to be two hours and 19 minutes. That's the longest. Which is his M- longest movie. Yeah, by 10 minutes over glass. And most of them are like uh, clock in under about the hour 45 mark. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Rupert. One Grint. thing we can usually say about M9 is he's pretty succinct. Gets right to the point. Yeah. Is he going to appear in this movie? You know, it oh, seems yeah. very, you know, it seems very contained. Maybe he's like, there's that plane that like falls out of the sky. Maybe he's like piloting that. He's like, oh, no, we're going down. <laughs> that, the plane, the plane falling looked kind of cool. I, um, yeah, I was kind of surprised by the trailer, though, because I, I was figuring it was going to be like almost completely contained. But if nothing else, it looks like there is going to be a lot of like flashbacks or like or just cuts to other parts of the world or whatever um because we get a lot of flashes of that in the trailer so 
it might not be completely contained to to that cabin yeah uh so we got dave batista jonathan groff rupert grint um still has not said a word in these trailers i don't think <laughs> but he's looking he's looking real sad yeah um i'm and i'm excited Holden, always excited mm-hmm. for M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong. February 3rd, 2023 is when this is coming. So only a couple months away. Yeah, just a little. It's like a month yeah, and a half a away. over a month away. Wow. Yeah. It's before the Super Bowl, Holden. Wow. When's the, what weekend's the Super Bowl? It's I think it's in mid-February now. It just puts things into okay. perspective, you know. Sure. <laughs> I like sure to does. sit and compliment things. Not compliment. It's before 65 comes out. Before 65. Yep. Um, (laughs) I'll give Knock at the Cabin a Brokaw. I will too, Holden. All right, now that we're nine minutes into the podcast, let's talk about some news. Yeah, I wonder why. I feel like there's certain impressions that are just dragging (laughs) this down, Jimmy. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) I mean, anyway, life, life is the ultimate thing dragging all of us down. <laughs> you got a point there, Mr. McConaughey. <laughs> anyway, have um, you read my book, Green Lights? I believe it's all James one Gunn. Word. More James Gunn DC movie news, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, I messaged you about this earlier in the week. Um, the Rock is apparently not going to be in the next phase of the DCU, at least at the beginning. Despite but his I, best probably efforts, just not at all. Despite his best <laughs> efforts at just committing fraud, <laughs> <laughs> just lying about how much money your movies made and and everything. Yeah, um, Dwayne Johnson. He like he made this long post on Twitter, social media, all this. But um, yeah, I don't know. He he's. I mean seems very cordial in the post but i i don't know i feel like that's a might be a social media team type of thing because we definitely know that he's been very he's been very angry and passionate about this whole thing pretty much up until this post came out so i don't know seems out of character at this point for him to to go down so passively yeah um you know, as charismatic as he was as Black Adam, Holden. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even hate Literally, Black Adam. I had a decent time for the parts that I was awake. <laughs> so, but it's like, know. yeah, but, but I, I mean, we talked about it in the review for that. You have The Rock in his biggest selling point. The Rock's biggest selling point is his charisma, and you just, you just wipe that from Black Adam. <laughs> like he's the most just blank face, just stone person he doesn't even like do the smolder at all really. and let me it's tell just you kind of him let me tell you hold on he's not a good guy either he's not yeah, a good he is guy. not a good guy he's not a good guy. he's not he is not your grandma's superhero that's for darn because sure. he's a super villain but not really mm-hmm. um yeah i don't know i don't really care about black adam at all i if anything i think this is kind of funny that it's been just such a crash and burn i think it's it's a reality check for this man who otherwise has kind of been on top of the world the movie industry <laughs> he has he's like an a-list actor who doesn't have that many like actually good roles yeah like, he's uh, such a household yeah, what name is a- but like he doesn't have an iconic role yeah, what's a role that you can associate with him? I like skyscraper man. 
Jumanji guy. Jumanji guy's probably the closest for me, but that's only because there's two movies. Like most of the movie, he doesn't do a lot of sequels, so it's usually just like one note, just buff guy character. Uh, the Scorpion King. Scorpion King. Jungle Cruise guy. Football guy <laughs> who becomes a dad or something. Yeah. Whatever that movie was. The game plan or something. No, I was going to say the blind sla- side. I'm glad you, you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think The Rock Those should replace... Those are like replace, the two uh, football movies I know. The Rock should replace Sandra Bullock in The Blind Side. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Rem- Facing the Giants, Remember the Titans. I get those movies confused. Oh, yeah. Rudy. Oh yeah, yeah, Rudy. With uh with Sam c- Wise Gamgee. The Rock could be The Rock could be in any of all of those movies for all I know. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah. yeah. The uh, Rock broke not off. being in DC. Yeah. I honestly yeah, broke on. <laughs> I'm going to get um, a Bergeron, personally. Okay. I have no friends Our, and no enemies. <laughs> All I have is um, There was a New York Post article kind of about the whole DC situation this week, and uh, there was a quote in it that basically that said that James Gunn was far from the first choice to be leading DC, apparently. <laughs> wow. <And> the- <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, it didn't say that. It didn't say that word for word. But um, what the quote says: the whole town turned the job down. And an industry source said, "It was almost Todd Phillips. They begged. Oh him. my gosh! They begged Todd Todd Phillips. <laughs> Imagine if Todd Phillips was doing this instead of James Gunn. I would hate it." <laughs> Yeah, I don't like. Okay, yeah, Joker is their most successful movie in a while. That's great. It's and also a movie but... that has no original ideas in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't. It it didn't give like a list of other people they went after, but it makes me wonder. Like, James Gunn is a genuinely creative person. He has like original ideas and stuff, and he's made some very good movies. So, like, I don't know. And his movies. I've done pretty well for the most part, so I don't know why you, you go to Todd Phillips, who also just seems like a guy who doesn't really... I, I get the impression he doesn't really care about Joker that much. I don't... I, he must, if, you know... I don't know. He might, yeah. Did they call you... But he, does, he doesn't seem, like, as passionate about his work as, like, some other people, I guess. Or I maybe he's just more reserved. That could be. I don't know. Uh, did they call you Matthew McConaughey for the job? Well, uh, there was this uh, call from an unknown number. They left a message, but I didn't even bother listening to it. You know, why bother do anything? Thank you, Matthew McConaughey. Boy, (laughs) Holden, that's the last time I let you invite a guest onto our show, honestly. Yeah, he's uh, he's I'm, really he's, dragging he, this I'm, episode I'm kicking down. him out. I'm pushing him out. Hey, the, hey, what this, you, hey, that's, this episode that's already going to be long. All right, I'll see you fellas later. Okay, he's gone. See you, Matt. Maddie. So what do you think of the, Maddie the, Mac. the Todd Phillips thing? Todd Phillips. Uh <laughs> absolutely not. Thank goodness not him. Uh Brokaw that it's not Todd Phillips. It broke out that it's not him. Yeah. You know what? Maybe <laughs> if I met him in person, spent a week with him, I would change my mind about him as a person. But you know, I don't know him. 
and with the little sample size of data that I have, not my favorite person <laughs> in the world. So I'm going to say I prefer yeah. James Gunn, Brokaw, that it's James Gunn. I think it's in good hands. James Gunn mm-hmm. has proven that he can make great superhero movies and turn small characters into really good, interesting, compelling characters. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing he can do that with Superman and with Wonder Woman and you know Aquaman or you know Lobo, whatever he decides to do. Lobo, I would I would be really excited for a Lobo movie, but <laughs> yeah, uh, Brokaw for me as well. Um, so a little this is a little bit different than what we usually talk about because usually we just talk about like the movies and productions on them themselves. But there's an interesting development. Did you hear about that you can there's now legal precedent to sue movie studios over misleading trailers? Did was you hear this some um, uh, Taylor Swift thing? Or no, uh, it was yes, yeah. Um so yeah, this week there was kind of this court ruling that came out about the movie Yesterday directed by Danny Boyle, the Beatles movie that came out a few years ago. Um I thought uh, it so seems in like the just trailer yesterday, Holden. It does, doesn't it? Um, appar- so apparently Ana de Armas was in the trailer. I don't remember that. But these people rented the movie, um, and she was not in the movie. Her scenes were cut from the film. So they decided to sue, I think it was Universal. Um, and Universal kept trying to just get it thrown out, thinking it was really dumb. But it turned- but they ended up winning this case and this is a, a quote from uh, the judge who did the ruling. Uh, Universal is correct that trailers involve some creativity and editorial discretion, but this creativity does not outweigh the commercial nature of a trailer. At its core, a trailer is an advertisement designed to sell a movie by providing consumers with a preview of the movie. The court's holding is limited to representations as to whether an actress or scene is in the movie and nothing else. So it, it limits it a bit by that last sentence, but it's still like... Like Marvel's screwed with how they make trailers, right? <laughs> like, because they they'll. I mean, I, the example I kept seeing getting brought up was the Infinity War trailer, where at the end you have everyone like running at the screen, you have the Hulk and everything, and which is just not in the trailer or just not in the movie. Hmm. So it's yeah. it's on one hand, on my, my personal opinion, on one hand, I think it's good you know that movie studios can't just straight up lie in about certain things not that i really think that was an issue i think in this case benefit of the doubt to universal it was probably like a cut later on that happened maybe Anna, they just were cutting down for time and her scenes just didn't really quite fit into it she also was but, not that big of a name three years ago yeah yeah, and that movie came out 2018, 2019, so yeah, she's only really gotten big in the last couple of years or so. Um but yeah, and so are you but saying then on the these, other hand, these people who didn't get to see her in the movie, they were up in armas about it? Yeah, you could say that, couldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> that was good, Jimmy. That was Thank better than the, the Matt the Matthew McConaughey bit. I'll give you that one. What are you talking about? Um I just he came <laughs> and I kicked him out. I don't know what you want okay, to yeah, say. Yeah, fair, fair. Okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, I the on the other hand, it's like, well, now, I now the I mean, you literally have to just show what's in the movie, and I feel like I feel like having deleted scenes in a trailer shouldn't be that big of a deal as long as it doesn't like drastically change the movie. I don't know. Here's I don't my know what thing. you think. 
I I like it when you know that they've switched things up, like Marvel. Like we just know that they've mm-hmm. set the precedent that you can't anticipate it. Because I do remember true, I yeah. was bugged when Rogue One came out, and stuff in Rogue One the trailer just did not happen in the movie that That's I was like true. looking yeah. forward to. Like when Jen Urso's on the tower, there's like a Tie Fighter that comes up in the trailer. Yeah, and that, I was like, oh, that here we go. So cool. And she just nothing happens. Or they're bringing the plans <laughs> to the other tower when they're gonna do like two, and that and the ATATs are shooting at them. The iconic shot from the trailer that didn't yeah. happen either. And I was in, I was looking forward to That's that, true. and so that bothered me. But also, this is dumb. Just make let people make trailers. We don't need to sue each other over it. Like, are you? Is it that big of a deal that you spent four dollars? Who's that? Yeah, it was literally four dollars too. <laughs> the court has it, ruled it that Universal like... owes these people four dollars. <laughs> I think it was like five million dollars or something like five that. million dollars. Right. Holy smokes! I got to sue Disney. <laughs> But let's yeah, it's just it's crazy to me. I don't know. It I I can see one side like the the side for it to a certain degree, but I think ultimately I just think this is kind of more hurting movies than than anything. Especially since I don't know like I mean, usually you have whole other companies that make the trailers. They probably only get sent like certain footage. So where do they get all swept up in this? Like, uh, and it's not their fault. They got sent whatever footage they got sent. You got to draw so the line know. somewhere, Holden. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm going to be impartial on this topic. <laughs> impartial. Um, I think it's dumb. <laughs> Let the studios have the freedom to do it. Um, and just if they if they really change it, people are going to be ticked off and then they're just not gonna go they're gonna get that studio's gonna have a bad reputation yeah and that's it, the beauty yeah. you know of what? capitalism holden god bless <laughs> i America. think i'm against it too because yeah it's the i don't free think it's that big of a issue um so i'll give it a bombadil although what's more american than suing people too so that's I don't true. Know, on both that's hands true. both people are very american so <laughs> you know and i'm very pro-america so Nice. Um, anyway, next piece of news, also kind of similar in the fact that it's just about something random, uh, but Netflix is officially going to stop password sharing next year, Jimmy. Uh, they haven't given an official date yet, um, but they are going to make accounts pay a certain amount for password sharing, and apparently this is already being tested in some of the Latin American countries. Um, but yeah, apparently this is this is happening next year, Jimmy. What do you think of this? It makes me think of the the end of Planet of the Apes. You blew it up. <laughs> darn you, darn you guys. Um look, this is stupid. Why do they charge more for more screens then? Just leave it at the charging more for more screens. Yeah. Down. I don't I don't <laughs> that seems really stupid. But I don't know. And I'm just not gonna and have Netflix anymore, I guess. I, I know um, Netflix used to like endorse password sharing too. There's like a there's a pretty popular screenshot from like a few years ago where I think it's I think it was like a Valentine's Day post or something that they put on Twitter, and it said something like, "Love is when you share a password" or something like that. It was from the initial official Netflix account, 
And it was just supposed to be, you know, cute little marketing thing. But I mean, now you're just, I guess you're, you just don't love anymore. No more love in this world, Holden. (laughs) No room for it. Netflix has grown cold and cynical. Yes. You either die the hero, live long enough to see yourself become the villain, Holden. See, the Dark Knight is still relevant 14 years later, Holden. That's why it's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> um, look, I I just... This is annoying. Just you charge more for more screens. Yeah. What is the point? I mean, the point is more money. And yeah, it's stupid. Obviously. I don't like it. And they're going to get away with it. And they can do whatever they want. Because it's America, Holden. And mm-hmm. uh, whatever. Netflix, why do you keep... Look, we're going to talk about Knives Out, but they played, I mean, which, Glass Onion, you know, I like it, but they paid $450 million or whatever for that franchise for like two movies. <laughs> That's stupid. How about, I, well, I like Knives movies, Out, but I would sacrifice two Knives Out sequels for them keeping password sharing. So that's where I'm at. Uh, well, if you want money, also, how about you quit making movies like Red Notice and The Green How about Man? you? And how about you maybe give your movies more of a theatrical run? That's another good point. It just seems like, like they're not doing these things that seem obvious. Now, I'm sure there are finer details that we wouldn't know of because we're not chief executive whatevers at the Netflix. Mm-hmm. But the other thing I've gr- found out growing up is nobody knows what they're doing. So yep. I I think it's safe to assume that people are just making poor Decision making, and now they're taking it out on the consumers. So, Netflix, you're the villain now. This is a bombadil. <laughs> this is a bombadil for me as well. And my final piece of news: um, we almost went and saw Babylon this week, just because, um, yeah, because I really wanted to see it. Jimmy's not wanting to see it, but well, I still do want to see it. <laughs> I'm gonna go in with low expectations. The reason why we didn't. Um, was not because of the movie itself. It was because it was literally like negative 50 degrees Fahrenheit wind chill outside. Uh, yeah, which I is mean, I, dangerous. Many of, you, many of you listening, I know, are, are in the Midwest, and uh, many of you are just, you know, from around, probably heard from around the country just how bad it's gotten. And it's reached most of the country, too. Like, if you see the radar, it's it's like a pretty huge storm like it was even reaching parts down to the gulf of mexico yeah, it's pretty I, insane all right listeners in the um, south hope you're doing well i know your homes are not yeah. equipped for this weather yeah um, but yeah so it was last thursday when we were gonna go it was it was terrible outside it was, was the like, windiest coldest day i'm like hold on we were gonna be at the theater for like four hours because the movie's three hours and 20 minutes or whatever it is an hour long then isn't it just isn't it just three hours i think it's three hours and 20 minutes pretty sure holden um anyway an hour longer than uh than three hours and nine minutes sorry it's only 50 minutes longer than knock at the cabin's gonna be um (laughs) i was like that's that's i don't want to get there and then my car doesn't start (laughs) and we're (laughs) stuck in the negative 50 degrees so anywho holden this movie how's it doing at the box office uh very poorly very very poorly uh, it's um <laughs> i mean jimmy had definitely predicted that it was gonna flop i think i knew deep down but i was hoping it wouldn't but uh this weekend 
Um, in the first four days, it only made $5.3 million. Um, finished fourth at the box office, I think I saw, and it um, was made on a budget of like $80 million. That's it? I would... It, it's got to be more expensive than that. I'm pretty sure it was $80 million. I'll I'll double check. Babylon. Um, look, I love Damien Chazelle. He's made three... Yeah, $80 million. ...great movies. He's also made Babylon, which I haven't seen, so jury's out. Some people very much like it. I've heard it's a wild ride. <laughs> it's got Tobey Maguire in it, so I'm ready to go. Um, but holy smokes, what is... Who who thought this was movie was going to make money at this time? Why on earth would you... Th- First off, this movie's three hours and nine minutes. Like, people are mm-hmm. going to be very cautious about going to a... You know, hesitant to go to a three-hour movie regardless. It's mm-hmm. just it's, looks wild. It's rated R, too. So you're already cutting off a lot of opening on Christmas. Opening on Christmas. Oh, by the way, the week after the sequel to the highest grossing movie of all time. <laughs> Who, like, what was the thought? Like, I, you know, I, I was saying that this movie's going to bomb forever, but look, I mean, it does. It's not rocket science. Like this, this was never going to do well. I mean, even if it comes out January, February, like I just, what it makes like two extra million dollars at the box office. Like this movie is going to flop, which I. I am not happy about because look, First Man also was a huge flop. Um, so it's it's just a bummer because I think Damien Chazelle is a great filmmaker. I still hope that he gets the freedom and the resources to make the the make the films he wants to and uh, bring his visions to life. Um, so I just hope this doesn't hinder that. Kind of reminds me of you know Denis Villeneuve a little bit with uh, kind of his films. But look, La La Land did very well. I think Whiplash was a really good return on investment. So mm-hmm. hopefully uh, Damien Chazelle gets a little bit more box office luck because he, if anybody deserves it, it's he is among them. Um, so mm-hmm. look, uh, Babylon will probably review it next week. And uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I, I would love to like it because I love Damien Chazelle. So just a bummer. Just a really big bummer, but also... What what were you thinking? Like, I, like how is this not gonna flop? Uh, and it, and it like it needed to be definitively universally acclaimed as one of the best movies of the year, and then it got mixed reviews to negative reviews. Um, and you can't, you just can't you people can't look at you know Babylon's Rotten Tomatoes page and see fifty five percent for a three hour and nine minute movie, you know the week avatar comes out like <laughs> yeah like people that's are gonna go see avatar recipe for disaster um so and it's rated r too so it's like you're just limiting your audience already so it's a bummer um but i hope it's a good movie maybe you know get some sort of oscar buzz but i doubt it um yeah that's that's what i gotta say about babylon holding anything else for you i guess just bombadil like what were you thinking yeah, Bombadil all around. Um, yeah, and I think that's pretty much it for news this week, Jimmy. Was that everything that you heard about? I think so. Oh, Ryan Johnson was upset that they added a Knives Out mystery to Glass Onion. I saw that. Which, but whatever. Like, okay, but also, <laughs> they paid $450 million for this. People better <laughs> understand it's a Knives Out movie. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, it would be cool if it could be sold just on being called glass onion, but it makes sense why it's called the, what it's called. Yeah. And it's the tagline doesn't show up anywhere in the movie on the title cards or anything. Yeah. It's just from a business standpoint, Ryan Johnson, I, he said he was pissed makes off. Sense. I was like, I don't think you can be pissed off about that. Like they can, they gotta make their money back. Um, you know, they could do that by just giving it a wider theatrical release, but we'll save those thoughts for another day. I don't want to do day. that. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Holden. Uh, Is that all then? Yeah, I think so. Let's let's get on to our Glass Onion, A Knives Out mystery review. Yes, non-spoiler review. So if you haven't seen the movie, you're yep. still safe for now. <laughs> All right, uh, Glass Onion, a Knives Out mystery, or just Glass Onion, as Ryan Johnson would like it to be called. Uh, it's the new Ryan Johnson film. Uh, not, It's a standalone sequel to Knives Out. Um, really not, I mean, there's not even like a reference to Knives Out aside from the main character. Um, so, I mean, that's that's pretty cool in and of itself. But, Benoit Blanc. Uh, we have... Yeah, we have Daniel Craig back as Benoit Blanc, uh, the the Colonel Sanders speaking uh, mayor or the detective from the previous film, um, and he's solving another mystery this time on a rich guy's island, you know, where we have another colorful cast of characters that come out, and you know, the mystery unravels and. We figure out a lot more and there's kind of some non-linear storytelling kind of like the first movie and it's a very very interesting movie how it plays out um but yeah jimmy uh what'd you, what'd you think of this movie look i first knives out i liked it didn't love it i've only seen it the one time i've heard it's better on second viewings so i could see that uh i liked this one more i would say i didn't love it mm-hmm. but i liked it more um i thought it was well done i um it was certainly entertaining i thought it was mm-hmm. pretty fast paced for being two hours and nine minutes or something like that um yeah i think it was two hours 20 or 220 something. yeah two hours 20 i think you're right and um yeah i i i, I thought there were a lot of good components to it i um i i thought the twists and turns were were solid i enjoyed the, watching the mystery unfold Getting to know these characters a little bit more, uh, even though they are very much just cartoon characters, yeah, uh, which is fine. I think I think Ryan Johnson was pretty aware of that when he put this together. Um, it's not supposed to be like hyper realistic and grounded, mm-hmm. but it's just a fun little who done it with you know the little original twist to it, and I think that's a, a good time. Like if you're gonna watch this, I think you're gonna be satisfied overall. Um, but yeah, I just, I thought it was an enjoyable movie with some really good sequences actually in there. Some good editing, uh, and Mm -hmm. direction at, at, at certain points that I think stand out really well. Um, the effects, uh, there were parts that I'm like, this is CGI. It's not horrible, but it took me out of the movie. But look, yeah, that's not yeah. the focal point of why you're not going to watch Nice Out for the effects. It's not Avatar way of water. This ain't Avatar. Yeah. So, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a good time. 
at the theater. I mean, just at home watching it on Netflix. At the theater. So, Holden, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I really quite liked it. Um, I really liked the first one. I've seen it, gosh, three or four times at this point, that first one. Um, But, yeah, this, and then I watched this. I have, before the podcast, I kind of skipped through the movie like I like to do quite often. Um, And so that was kind of nice because it was, I was kind of skipping through some parts where I was picking up on things. I was able to even just briefly pick up on things that, um, you know, you wouldn't uh, the first time through. Um, But I'm very excited to watch this a second time because I do think this movie, maybe even more so than the first one, has like a lot of just little details. And the movie shows you that later on, some of them later on um, when kind of the twists are revealed. But I think this movie is just so densely packed with clues. And I think that's where a lot of the satisfaction comes in. Also, I mean, same with the first one is when you kind of get those flashback sequences where uh, you see kind of the thing, the, where these seeds were planted and everything. You're like, Oh yeah, that should have been, you know, more obvious. That should have been like a clue or something. It was kind of weird that happened or, but the movie just plays it off. So, so well that you Mm -hmm. just, most people wouldn't pick up on it. Um, but I mean, aside from that stuff, uh, I mean, Daniel Craig as Benoit Blanc, I think is just a, a fantastic character. I love him. And I think he's even better in this movie than he was the first one, because this one, he's he's a little bit more out of his element, but he's also uh, um, just kind of like very eager to have another mystery to solve. Well, he's not because really the movie's... main character of the first movie. It's true. Yeah. And he, Whereas I mean, he was still he, great in that movie. He but, is like the um, main character of this one. Yeah, he is. Um, and yeah, this the pandemic plays into this movie. Um, it's not like overly annoying about it or anything like about just 2020 references. Like it could be, I guess. But the I mean, first, 50, first plays 20 into his, minutes, I would say. I was like, oh, gosh. And then it was over. I mean, it, it it was there, but yeah, I, w- I didn't bother me too much. And I think it plays well into his character too, because it gives him a reason why he hasn't been able to solve a mystery for a while. And so he's so eager to do this and kind of a little bit, uh, maybe not quite as methodical in some ways as he might be normally. Cause he's just like really excited to go do this thing. Um, and that plays into stuff later, but um, yeah, I think, Daniel Craig is fantastic. I mean, honestly, the whole cast is really good, I think. What do you think of the cast? Yeah, I, I enjoyed it, you know. I I thought it was, yeah, I thought the cast was good. I don't think there are any performances that I'm like, I mean, with yeah, there there are a couple of performances that stand out a little bit more than that. I don't really want to say. I feel like it's almost spoilery. Sure. But, you know. It's just kind of like a cartoonish cast of characters, you know. It's like a little game of Clue, and but you got your your who done it, you know, Ryan Johnson and Subversion. He's subverting things to good effect here. I think the subversion works very well mm-hmm. for the movie. I think it's actually the, the best parts of the movie is when he's subverting the the tropes of the genre, um, which is which is good. I don't think it's gonna really rub people the wrong way either. Like they're not like no. offensive <laughs> subversions, like. like <laughs> oh that's what's going on oh that's dumb the movie would have been way better if it went this way i'm like actually no the movie got more interesting now um (laughs) and unique so i appreciate that i will say that my 
kind of biggest pet peeve with the movie is that you kind of have events unfold and then you go back to events and they're just different the second time. Like some things are just like, there's like, oh, this dialogue is going on between these two characters and the lines are just like cut. Like the first time you watch it, like there are lines just cut out of it. And then the second time you watch it, they're just inserted in. You're like, well, obviously I wouldn't have picked up on that because they just weren't there the first time we watched it. And Mm -hmm. it's not horrible, but it's just not as seamless as it would have been. And it doesn't happen every time it mainly just happens between like certain characters because there are sequences where it's like the same exact dialogue you just like stick around to hear the rest of the conversation but other times it's like oh here's the conversation with the dialogue you heard before but there's literally like inserted lines into the dialogue that you heard the full conversation of and i just thought that was Hmm. a little cheap is where i'm coming like it wasn't awful but I'm like, it just, it wasn't, like, you couldn't have found a way to write it without me figuring out what was going on. So when I came back and heard it in a new context, I would understand it better. You know, do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And we can talk about specific I, sections in spoilers, but I just, I don't think it's terrible. I just felt it was a little cheap. I mean, I can see what uh, maybe what you're saying. I guess I just like didn't notice, maybe, because <laughs> I and might need specific specific examples given to me. Well, but, okay, here's uh, my issue with it: is the, the Benoit Blanc is our point of view character for this, mm-hmm. and these are conversations that Benoit Blanc has with other characters that we don't get to see the whole thing the first time. That's my issue with it because it 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 almost removes us from the point of view character, even though we're supposed mm-hmm. to be from his point of view. And I think that's the cheap part of it. Again, I think this is a little nitpicky hmm. because I think a lot of the movie is very creative. So I think this certain area could have been more creative, but again, it the vast majority of the movie is very entertaining, is very creative. This is just one thing that I was like, this could have been better. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Didn't notice it. but Well, you watch yeah. it a second time, um, Holden, and you, you decide if that is a, a valid point or not. I will. I, I kind of want to, I might watch it later this week, actually. So, um, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I think the only characters for me um, that I feel like I could have used more with was like Catherine Hahn and uh, Leslie Odom Jr.'s characters because I feel like they're pretty higher, higher build characters, but I think they both, I don't know, I feel like they, they didn't have much of a personality aside from just being very cautious individuals. Yeah, I would say um, that um so yeah and i don't and i feel like the other characters even like smaller ones that had less screen time had a bit more personality and a bit more going on but it kind of felt like especially with like Catherine hahn's character she's like a governor of, of a state or something I like that she's, she's senator, some sort of politician senator, i think senator or senator candidate okay. or something yeah anyway um it felt like a lot of her characterization was just given to her by other characters talking about her 
It didn't really feel like Catherine Hahn was given much to work with herself. And so, I don't know. It's just a bit of weird writing there. But everyone else, I think, even like smaller characters, I was like, okay, I'm on board with this. I, I get what these, these guys are about. And as you said, they're cartoon characters. So everyone else, even if they're kind of one note, they're at least entertaining to watch. Um, but, yeah. Um, other things about this movie that aren't spoilers um i thought the musical score was pretty good yes um, um were... yes there's a couple of characters have certain motifs i thought those were really good mm-hmm. yeah and uh soundtrack was done by his, uh, ryan johnson's brother nathan johnson who i think does a lot of his movies um but yeah this one was great um what else i think the movie is shot pretty well i mean as you said the edit there's some creative things that happen with editing um kind of throughout but some um, really good just cuts tonal shifts yeah or uh yes kind of um editing that increases the tension of a scene by going to like recurring objects that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. like yeah. 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 There's one. I know what scenes you're thinking. Yeah. I, I, I think the editing just enhances the movie. Really mm-hmm. does. And like you said, I think it's a well shot movie. There's some clear shots, like when they're first kind of introducing the whole cast and crew. And you kind of, you know, there's a lot of good shots where they, you can see all of them and it's very aesthetically pleasing and um, mm-hmm. very intentional. You can feel a lot of that. So I, I, I think a yeah, lot of this sh- is technically well done. Yeah, yeah. Initially, uh, when I first was watching it, I wasn't sure how I felt. I felt like the scenes like on the beach during the day felt really bright, like maybe a little overblown or something. But I think that was just, uh, you know, more uh, juxtapose it to the, the more nighttime scenes and just how bright it was. So it, I ended up not bothering me that much. Well, on my 75-inch um, 4K QLED Samsung TV, they looked pretty good all the so I'm just okay. <laughs> I'm just I did not get that at all. I thought the movie looked great. I thought the day scenes looked really good. Didn't get any over shot, over exposure or anything mm-hmm. on my end. Um. Yeah. What else is there to say about this movie? Um. I mean, we did. I guess we didn't talk about it's. It's very funny. This movie, I, I think, is is pretty funny. Very funny. I don't think I would say very funny. I don't remember specific i don't remember a specific time i think i laughed once or twice i remember like specific things i laughed at um okay i i I think the comedy in both of these movies work pretty well for me i think it probably works better than this one for me i feel like the first one had some some jokes that were kind of cringy but i didn't really get that in this one um yeah, I don't know. I, I I like the comedy in these movies quite a bit, I guess. So, yeah. All right. Um, I think that's about all we can say non-spoiler-wise, Holden. I Plus the too. fact we yeah. got to do a spoiler review of this movie and a God of War spoiler review. So, And God of War is going to be long. So. Yeah. <laughs> so I say you give your rating. Uh, I think I'm going uh, eight, out, 8 out of 10 on this one. Wow. Very nice, Holden. I'm going to say if you like the first one, obviously, you'll like this one. If you like a good whodunit and you haven't seen the first one, you can still watch this one because, like we said, they're not related at all, and uh, it's a standalone movie. So watch it. It's very much an anthology. So, yeah, mm-hmm. if you just want to kill two hours and 20 minutes, 
I think uh, you're going to at least think this movie's okay. Like, uh, you thought it was all right. That's the worst reaction ever to this movie. I have not heard anybody not like this movie. Um, And I've heard quite a few people say they really like this movie. So watch it. Um, I think that you will be entertained, uh, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Pretty, uh, for a Ryan Johnson movie, I think it's got a lot of appeal. (laughs) Wide-reaching appeal. Yeah, yeah. So that's where I'm at, Holden. Sweet. Let's dive into our spoiler review. All right, spoilers for Glass Onion, Knives Out Mystery. Do not do not be listening to this. Yeah, time codes in uh, the description, as always, folks. If you need to jump over, um, I hate it when podcasts, they're like, all right, spoilers, and then they just spoil the biggest thing like two seconds after they say that. <laughs> I mean, oftentimes I like to jump to the biggest thing, but uh, we give a we give plenty of lead up. Yeah, so. we got a little spoiler, uh, you know, uh, gosh, buffer bumper song too. So yeah, oh, it's that's very true. Intense. So you have plenty of time if you are still listening to this. And you haven't seen it. You have either fallen asleep to our soothing voices, <laughs> or you have seen the movie, or you just don't care. So let's dive in, Holden. Spoilers for Knives Out, uh, not Knives Out, right. Glass Onion. A Knives Out mystery. Um, one of the things, I mean, one of the things that I think r- works really well about both of these movies is kind of is both scene in both movies where Benoit Blanc is like is just reciting everything that happened, and I think part of what works well in both movies for me is his just like abundance of metaphors that he loves to use <laughs> the famous one from the first one is like like the donut hole metaphor oh, yeah, um, that's right. there's a smaller donut in the hole and everything and this one he uses the glass onion one and goes and just keeps i mean haha peeling away at that metaphor quite a bit um Seems but i just I, it's got I, a lot of layers but you can just look right through it and you can see what it is yeah yeah and so I, I just think those like Daniel Craig and, and the writing for that just adds so much character to, you know, a scene that happens in most mysteries. But I think they stand out in these movies. Um, but, yeah, uh, it turns out that it's none other than Ed Norton. Uh, who, Miles Finch, something like that. Miles Braun. Miles, Miles Braun. Miles Finch is something else. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, basically, he's basically Elon Musk. Um, but yeah, it turns out Miles Braun is uh, the uh, the killer. And it's honestly, I think it makes that it makes that whole sequence even funnier than the first movie for me because it, you just see how this guy is a complete idiot. Like he does he, not know yeah, what he's doing. Like he's using and, his deductive reasoning to just prove that Miles Braun is a moron. <laughs> yeah. He basically and like, he uses it, all these metaphors to be like, you are an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and then you like, you go back and of course like Daniel Craig reveals that he had killed his former partner played by Janelle Monet and, um, all of that She's the but i think me, by I, the way she did great she is great we can get to her in a bit but um the i think the funniest bit is just when daniel craig finds out that he gave 
Miles the idea to like kill the people on the island <laughs> in that first kind of meeting they had or in the in the meeting following the the dinner party uh when he's like oh you you know you brought all of these people on this island that have motive to kill you <laughs> yeah. and and everything and then you can kind of, and I when I was re going through it I mean, you can see in Ed Norton's performance, him kind of like going through in his head, like, oh, yeah, like this is a good idea, but it's just something you wouldn't pick up on the first time. Mm-hmm. It's pretty hilarious. Yeah. And it also makes sense then, since he's so stupid, why wouldn't he just burn the napkin that's the one piece of proof that, you know, like right yeah. away <laughs> instead of like store it in his place? I did catch the, yeah, he says infraction point. I was like, it's an inflection point. Like I did notice, like, I'm like, that's not right. I didn't say anything. I watched this with Emily. I didn't say anything during that, mm-hmm. but I should have caught when they said Ionian sea, but I was forgot that it was in Greece at the Aegean sea. Um, <laughs> yeah. There, I mean, a lot of those, I just didn't pick up the on the boat dock. I'm just you can smart. only go there during the morning. Because that's like the the level of the sea, the tide. So you can't go oh, there yeah. any other time of day. But, what was it like? All his ideas that he would write on things, and they're like, "Oh, he's just a genius," you know. Yeah, well, it, that's planted at right at the beginning when Leslie Odom Jr.'s character is like meeting with those shareholders or whatever they are. Um, but he he talks about how Miles will just like will fax him in the middle of the night with just random ideas and they even mentioned that it's only like one in every 20 if even that probably less that turn out to be anything and miles doesn't give them any direction he just says make it work (laughs) like he doesn't he just has these outlandish ideas but yeah i i thought that was so good and ed norton was 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 pretty good as miles as well just it was very different because I feel like Ed Norton. I mean, Ed Norton, I think, has an ego, and I I typically see him as like just a either he's he's kind of a smart char- he plays typically smarter characters, so but different for him. Yeah, I I enjoyed his his performance a lot. Uh, Alden, finally, some representation on film. Those of us who are allergic to pineapples, finally being represented. <laughs> Uh, that was great. Oh. <laughs> I so like every so I'm a teacher. So every year, talk about like what we shouldn't think. Like we shouldn't be telling each other to shut up or you know swearing at each other that sort of thing. So I'm like, which word of these can you say? Like we'll play like a kahoot, and it'll say like mm-hmm. you know swear words, shut up, like stupid, dumb, like calling yourself that. And then it's like and it says pineapple in parentheses. I have it says the most evil of all words. And I'm like, why is pineapple the most <laughs> evil word? And I'm like, well, because I'm allergic to it. And so that's always yeah. a big joke. And kids always bring me pineapples because they're great. You know, that's what a kind gesture oh. to give me something I'm allergic to. And so it's they're always nice. like, Mr. Youthy, <laughs> I'm going to give you pineapples. So I hope some of them see this and they're like, oh my gosh. He's allergic to pineapples and it kills him. It's Mr. Youthy. <laughs> he, Dave Bautista is basically Mr. Youthy. Um, so and I that that was great. That pineapple bit, I think, was the biggest example for me of something that as soon as it, as soon as it happened later in that movie, I was in the movie. I was like, I should have picked up on that. Like, 
the fact that he says I don't do or I don't do pineapple or something like that I was like that should have been like a clue that I should have held on to and then he dies later of drinking like seems so obvious in hindsight I picked up on it just because I am allergic to pineapple not deathly allergic to pineapple but I am so I was like that I just like that just caught you know I could that my brain latched onto that and he died from him like well he was allergic to pineapple but I don't know if that like kills you you know it doesn't kill Mm -hmm. me I hope um, hope so yeah um but i just thought that was really funny really funny um that that was in there uh let's see mm-hmm. i i want to talk about some of the sequences that are really good uh so they all are opening mm-hmm. the box and then it cuts to um janelle monet's character and she just breaks it open I thought yeah. that was a really good just juxtaposition there uh very effective um, and then the other one is when that, that scene that's very intense and you're just wait you know it's a who done it, so you're just waiting for someone to die and they just keep cutting to the Mona Lisa, the <laughs> <laughs> that you know, um Chekhov's Mona Lisa. I was like, when is this gonna play a role? Yeah. In something like I was and, like, and, is that where he's keeping the napkin? But I don't know. Yeah, it was hard to t- I mean cuz it, it's so prominent in that scene, so obviously it's going to come back later, but I thought I thought the payoff with the Mona Lisa was pretty great. <laughs> that <laughs> even if they didn't get him on, you know, the the napkin thing or whatever, that literally his his I mean as Janelle Monet says, like his his fuel source that he just created just destroyed the Mona Lisa. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was poetic. Um yeah, I also think it's funny that's the Mona Lisa. It's like the, you know, the the thing that's considered like the almost iconic piece of art, but like not actually the best piece of art. So mm-hmm. it would be like an idiot's like, like oh my gosh, this is the ultimate art piece. Yeah, it's like it's it's what he would go for. Yeah, he said he like had to give he he gave France a loan or something like that because of the pandemic and yeah yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it, I should have picked up on that. He's more of an idiot. I don't know how I didn't like just he's a moron because, you know, they present to him to you as like, oh, he's, you know, he's just eccentric. Um, yeah, he's, he just seems like kind of like a chill. I mean, you've seen it in other things like the the eccentric billionaire who might be kind of hippie ish on an island. And I feel like that's the way the movie presents him. And so that's just kind of the what I was going with. And I mean, even if I had picked up on the the wrong words, I could have just rationalized it in my brain, like, "Oh, he's just like a weirdo who uses the wrong word." But he's out of I mean, touch. Everyone knows what he's saying. Yeah. So, like, no, he's yeah. just an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of money. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of people exposing themselves as idiots with lots of money lately. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I thought that was. Uh, funny i thought that was a, a interesting twist of course you have the the burning of the mona lisa like you said the poetic justice of that that mm-hmm. cgi fire was not great it wasn't horrible yeah no but i was like wow very little of this fire is actually real <laughs> yeah the, but, yeah that was the one point where the, the effects were a little iffy but but i was like you know what who cares it's this that's not what this movie's about it's about this moment and the moment, mm-hmm. the payoff of them burning the Mona Lisa was good. The twist of mm-hmm. um, Andy was great. I think that's what made yeah. the movie. Because you're like, something is off here. What is going on? 
and then mm-hmm. it all makes sense. But that's my that's my also my issue. Like there are scenes where uh, Benoit Blanc is talking with Andy, and we see the conversation from beginning to end, and then when they go back to it, they just add lines in between what we've already seen. Like we've seen that whole we've assumed that we've seen the whole conversation. It's not like they cut to a different scene and come back. It's like we see the whole conversation. Are you talking about like when she gets shot? Yeah. Okay. Like when they're on the steps. Yeah, I kind of. I, I might have picked up on that too, but I I kind of want to rewatch it and see if it's not quite as bad as we might be thinking. Because I you're you're right. I did kind of notice that with that scene in particular, but. I don't know. I'm wondering if maybe we're missing something. Maybe it does cut to the glass and it's like... Maybe it is. That's my guess. That's Or that's my hope at least. But yeah. yeah. If it is, then my point is invalid. And nice job, Ryan Johnson. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I... So Andy and whatever the sister's name who's playing Andy. but uh, Helen. Janelle Monet, I guess. Helen. Helen, okay. Yeah, Janelle Monae just in general was was fantastic in this movie, and I mean she's she's playing someone who's playing someone else, and I thought that was a lot of fun, and her kind of joining in on the mystery in that middle forty five minute chunk or so, and the flashbacks. I thought that was all very cool, just showing things from a different perspective, and she's she's playing it all like it's clue which ends up kind of which ends up uh kind of helping her a bit but she's just trying to get the motivations for everyone and she ends up getting them Mm -hmm. um i just like how you know like having uh miles braun be such an idiot covers up a lot of plot holes too because like even like Mm -hmm. she gets shot through the glass and she falls back but then she gets up like relatively quickly and it's like, well, why didn't the killer just finish her off? Like, didn't the killer notice that? But then you're like, it's Miles Braun. He's an idiot. <laughs> like, yeah, he probably he just shot like, her and then was like, <laughs> she must be <laughs> dead because I because I'm a moron. So covers up a lot of plot holes, which that's convenient, too. I do want to say the tensest moment of the movie is the hot sauce going into her nose. Do you yes. That? Yes, it is. And yeah, I because I, I mean obviously it's tense because we don't want her to wake up and everything but i'm also just thinking about like the pain that that could just induce (laughs) the hot sauce i know from experience you know getting a hot sauce in your nose your eyes or whatever it just is the worst and so it would be incredibly hard for her to maintain her composure but she manages to do it just long enough yes 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 Um, um I did not realize that Daryl or whatever was Ethan Hawke. No, Ethan Hawke is the butler, oh, the butler on the shore. On the shore. Yeah. Daryl's just some other guy. Darryl's- I don't know if he's like he's a friend of Ryan Johnson's or something, but he's also apparently in the first Knives Out, but just as a different character. So I don't know. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt does the dong sound effects. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Which I thought... Which I thought was hilarious. Um, that was a pretty funny bit when that would come into play. Um, or some other. There's some like there are multiple cameos. Hugh Grant is Benoit Blanc's Yo Yo Ma. Yeah, Yo Yo Ma. <laughs> that. 
And when when Yo Yo Ma came on, I was like, is, "Wait, is that Yo Yo?" I don't know how I recognized him because I don't like I don't I don't think I've ever really listened to any Yo Yo Ma stuff. But Emily recognized him right away. Otherwise, I would not have probably realized it. But it's an extended cameo, so I'm like, "This is somebody." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he just kind of he literally appears from like the off screen, just leans in, and says something. Um. I didn't. I didn't mention mention Kate Hudson as Birdie. Um, I the I thought honestly I thought the funniest joke in the movie for me was her thinking that sweatshops are what are, yeah. make sweatpants. Oh yeah, when it's like sounds good and like dab emoji or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh. That's a, that's a good example of like I mean the the mentioning dab or whatever like I don't know there's there's certain things in this movie that could be cringy but I think just don't aren't like I you know I didn't I didn't mind Benoit Blanc being bad at Among Us I thought that was really cringy but the only thing that redeems it is that he ends up like he's the is the imposter like kind of <laughs> yeah among them or he, I mean he, I don't know. Or I guess uh, Janelle Monae's character is more the imposter, but together they're the imposters. She's the sus one. Yeah, she's asking. She's she's acting sussy baka. She is, as the kids say. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't really mention Dave Bautista. He's good. Um, not in it. I mean, obviously he dies. I was kind of surprised that he's the, like the first one that dies on screen. Yeah, I really didn't know who was going to die. I just mm-hmm. kind of assumed it would be Edward Norton, but... Yeah, I mean, I I feel like that was the, the obvious place where it was going to go, but then he ended up being the killer. Oh, I thought um, it was obvious like that he would be the killer, too, so I wasn't really expecting him. So that was also I, kind of... Yeah, that's I felt I felt like it would be too obvious for him to be the killer. So I think that's, uh, that's Ryan Johnson just subverting those expectations. Oh, there yeah. There you go. Um, uh, Daniel or Benoit Blanc solving the dinner party really thing right away I thought was really funny, and I I like how they threw the iPad at him. Yeah, he threw the iPad at him, but I like I I like how giddy he is because like he's he's like sitting at the table and he's basically just like when are we starting this? When are we starting this? And then as soon as Ed Norton says they're starting it, he's just like bur- it's like he was holding back, saying this is solving this. I thought it was, and Edward Norton's like, yeah, this is going to take all weekend. I had the writer of Gone Girl, yeah. Gillian <laughs> Flynn, write it, write it for me. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Um, anything else to say, Holden? Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. Oh, I um, just remember I did like at the end when the place is on fire and then the, the smoke the smoke alarms are going off like this is a smokeless garden or yeah, whatever that was a good touch <laughs> that was funny also but, how did yeah, they all that... not die <laughs> yeah oh, okay okay before we move on i one grievance i do have that i couldn't voice in um non-spoilers i don't i'm not on board with like the other like the rest of the group like quote-unquote redeeming themselves at the end the way they did because they like up until like she was setting the place like she was like knocking stuff over setting it on fire they were still on miles's side (laughs) yeah so it 
it felt like unearned. It, I mean, yeah, there was a little bit of like hesitance there, but it like they still were doing it. It just, it, I feel like there needed to be a little bit something more there, because then it, I mean, the movie plays it off like they're they're at least somewhat redeemed. I didn't really get that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna say any spoilers, but it oddly has some parallels to the menu, as well. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So, yes. Is that all now, Holden? Yes, that's it. All right, Ragnarok is here. We're going to dive into our spoiler-filled discussion of God of War Ragnarok. If you don't want to if you haven't played the game yet, here's our non-spoiler thoughts. It's very good. So, there you go. Um, now we're going to dive into our spoiler review of God of War Ragnarok the game. So, we're entering a little tog for you everybody buckle up your seat belts drive your lincolns here we go god of war ragnarok uh obviously the sequel to the 2018 game it's like the sixth game uh that santa monica has developed it's like the eighth total Something, right? something like that. There's at least there's like one yeah. or two PS Vita games, or PSP and a PS yeah. Vita, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, so I think I think there's eight total, counting this one. So this is the eighth one. Um, really only, uh, but I've only played the previous one. Um, follows Kratos, following the events of the God of War 2018, Kratos and Atreus, three years after. Ragnarok or Fimble Winter is is ongoing. It's strong. It's happening in the the nine realms, and so the game is kind of about trying to prevent Ragnarok, or maybe, or trying to you know maybe make it a go a different way. There's a lot of stuff about defying prophecy and whatnot, but yeah, it's an interesting game. Um, yeah, this is is this only our. Th- I think this is only our third game review we've ever done on this, right? We've done Last of Us 2, we've done Control, and I think we did Jedi Fall. Oh, we did Control. Okay, so four. I forgot about us talking about Control. Um, And this is spoilers, Holden, so feel free to to spoil things. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, But I guess overall thoughts. Um, I... I really liked this, honestly. Um, a lot of the grievances I had early on, I think I grew to either not mind or I grew to love. Um, even like some story stuff earlier on, like you and I both kind of had some issues, I think, with that. I They didn't really bother me as the game went on. So I... I, I granted I've only played this once, but I'm I think I like this more than 2018 personally. I um, as a complete package. I look I um I really came around on this game a lot. I was a little mm-hmm. I was very disappointed with the I didn't think it was bad. I just was like it just felt a, a downgrade over the first one in a lot of ways for me the first 10 or so hours, but then I liked it much more as it went on and as it opened up and Mm -hmm. I thought the exploration got a little bit better. I still think, and I think this is a little bit of a gripe with the first one too, but I don't think you are, I don't feel like exploration in terms of what you actually get for like loot is all that rewarding. 
in these games um because like oh, oh i found a light runic attack that i'm just never gonna use <laughs> like or i found a mm-hmm. heavy runic attack that's just not great i'd almost wish you could like um get some sort of xp or whatever components to kind of build towards a specific skill that i want to get or i want to enhance um and yeah. do maybe do like a skill point thing for the for like runic attacks and stuff like that because i was like oh here's this thing i'm just i it's clearly not as good as the one i have so i'm just never gonna use it or i might try it once or twice and then i'm done with it so it, it's that weird that's a just it's just a nitpicky thing that i have but I'll, i mean it's a great game yeah, no, I, I kind of agree with that, though, because, I mean, on one hand, games that have, like, randomized loot and stuff, I think, can get a little bit overwhelming for, like, me, maybe. <laughs> like, I, there's there's a certain reason why, uh, like, some of those games, like, where you just get randomized loot or, you know, you only have a certain chance of certain drops or whatever, it gets kind of stressful. I don't think it needs to be randomized, just, like, if you get if you open this, you get like a skill point and then you can use that skill point to unlock a, a new runic attack or unlock a better version of this thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't, I guess. Yeah. If, if we're looking at maybe the, the main fix would be just to adjust runic attacks that way. Cause honestly, I think, I think I'm okay with the way like armor and stuff works. Um, overall it is nice even that you though can i think keep your armor for the whole game now yeah and you can just keep upgrading it and everything that's that is really nice um yeah i i, I mean i think there's a certain sense of i mean i, I mean you anyone at like if you reach a certain point in a game like everyone can have the same type of armor or everything so i think that's uh, it's makes it feel a little less like special maybe that you everyone's just like probably is wearing the same armor at the same point in the game or whatever um i don't know it's just like a personal thing that there's not kind of more customizable armor options i guess but even then i don't really mind too much i kind of like the way that it plays into power level and everything i i kind of liked that in the first one too it's just like unique way of leveling your character instead of like relying on grinding and stuff so yeah it's interesting, if nothing else. Um, I do like... I love exploration in these games, so I love doing mm-hmm. the Nornir uh, chess. I love just figuring out those environmental puzzles. I like it really when it opens up Vanaheim, doing all that with the the crater. That was yeah. great. Um, I thought... I loved the little lake in Spartalheim, but I... The rest of it, I thought, was just like cramped or something, or it was just hard to backtrack. There were a couple yeah. places where it was just kind of hard to backtrack. I thought the look in Vanaheim, it was cool that you could change it day to night, but I, it kind of just, I kind of annoyed me. Well, and it didn't really come into play that often. No, it didn't. Like he, which was weird. Like you used. <laughs> You used it, like, a couple times in the story, and then exploring, like, the crater, you used it, like, twice. once or yeah, twice. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I thought it would really make a big difference, and it didn't, which I was grateful for. Yeah, it, on one hand, it's nice, but at the same time, it's just annoying that it was implemented at all if it didn't have that much to do. Um, but, yeah, I don't... <sighs> 
that was that was a weird thing in Vanaheim that I didn't much care for. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of open world exploration, I really liked most of the uh, areas that you can go back to and have a lot of things to do. As you said, the lake in Svartalheim is a lot of fun. Has some great side missions there that flesh out like Mimir and everything. Um, and yeah, the crater in Vanaheim. The crater itself, I mean, you could talk about that for a while, like just forever, just because it's so big. And it opens so late in the game. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's just this huge area that you get over three-fourths of the way into the game um and i ended up spending several play sessions just like going through that and 100 percenting it figuring out everything and and there's just so much to do there and it felt uh, it was almost like overwhelming with the amount of directions to go there because it was just so different from the rest of the game i wasn't used to that level of openness but it was pretty cool in general yeah, I mean, um, and I liked that there were like little side areas there too, and everything. Yeah. Um, mechanically, I thought it was weird that they just abandoned things from the first game, like Atreya. Like you only ever had two different types of arrows, which was mm-hmm. weird. After having three in the, you have two in the first one or three in the first one. Like you just never you might get have only had two in the first one. You had light and shock. Was that all you had? I think so. It's just weird that they didn't have light and shock arrows anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it was. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of weird. <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah, but I think uh, look, we I think we've talked about mechanically like just different things that were different in the first one, uh, in our first impressions. Um. So, we we've already kind of covered that, so we won't spend time on that here. I don't think. Um trying to think of anything else I just want to talk about before we dive into really the story. I mean, obviously well, like we, the berserkers, which are the Valkyrie Queens, <laughs> like even Mimir's like, you know, this kind of reminds me of the Valkyrie Queens that we fought three years ago. I'm like, yep, <laughs> it does. Yeah. I, those, the berserker fights, I don't think are as good as the Valkyrie fights personally. Um, I think they might be overall, there's a couple that might be a little bit more difficult than the Valkyries, but I just feel like the Valkyries, I liked their variety of moves and I felt like it was like a good number. There weren't as many as there were for the Berserkers. They didn't go two Um, on one, three on one. Yeah, they didn't go two on one. (laughs) Um, And I mean, you do get Valkyrie fights in this too, but I, I, I just... I feel like those are a bit more satisfying in the previous game. And then fighting the Valkyrie Queen, I think, was, for me at least, tougher than the Berserker King in this game. Um, what about the Valkyrie but I also Queen think... in this game? She kicked what? my... The Valkyrie Queen in Gana kicked my butt in this oh, game. Oh, Gana. More than the Valkyrie Queen okay. did in the last game. But maybe I just was but, better. I had more efficient stuff in the last game could have been. Oh, I th- I think the this game I, I think this game in general was easier for me, but I think that's because you have more to work with. Um, I feel there like are they a few nerfed that are, the runic attacks a little bit. They yes, yeah, so, well, honestly, I I didn't feel that way aside from the axe ones. I thought the other runic attacks were fine, at least the ones that I ended up picking out. Yeah, I think yeah, I I would say yes. The axe ones are definitely yeah. weaker for whatever reason. 
and it kind of made me just use the axe less later in the game um but yeah the runic attacks for that were weirdly nerfed but i think in general there's just more combat like strategies you can have in this and i think that uh you know makes it a little bit easier i like the increased focus on shield like parrying and yes. stuff in this that was a um, lot more necessary and it was it's a lot more satisfying it's mm -hmm. like always satisfying to pull off a perfect parry and everything and it always sucks when you kind of parry a little bit too late and then you're like stunned for a bit or whatever and you know there's always a follow-up attack but when you pull it off correctly i always I, I, I ended up using i was gonna say that's why i love ghost of tsushima is it's like you got that perfect parry down you felt like such a <laughs> such a cool samurai <laughs> Yeah. Were you? Did you use like? The, uh, I'm guessing you used the high risk, high reward, parry shield. Yes, that's what I the used shield, the entire yeah. game. Yeah, same. <laughs> I there. I kind of. I mean, you get like enough materials to level up almost everything if you platinum the game or whatever. So, I mean, at least one of the other shields I kept leveling up, thinking I might use it at some point, but I just I never really stopped using that one. Um. We haven't talked about the spear. We didn't talk about that in first impressions because I don't think he had even gotten to no, that I point. Um, and also spoiler but, free. So, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Dropner spear is the big addition. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I I love it. It became my go-to weapon by the end of the game. I was using that to fight the Berserker King, to fight It Kana. is very effective against the bosses because it's just a yes. ranged weapon. And then when you, like, do you know you press triangle down it like stuns them a little bit which is mm -hmm. just vital <laughs> to have yeah. just buy me like yeah, five it, more seconds for my cooldowns please <laughs> yeah and it's um it's just i mean it's a long weapon so even with melee it's got a decent range and everything um i've always felt like it had a pretty good power um and i mean i just think Unless you were trying to freeze something from a distance, I think throwing the spear is just an objectively better version of than throwing the axe because like it doesn't faster. really and they and it's, it's like faster. a twofer because you hit them with yeah the spear, it's a twofer and then you throw it and then you get them when you you press triangle and especially when you're like looking for ravens it doesn't drop like in the air hardly at all so you can like you don't really have to account for that if you're trying to oh, throw it at any ravens that. that are ways away. Yeah, there were so a couple times I, where I hit the ravens and chunks would like it would go like clink and like chunks would flap and it would not register as me hitting the raven. I was like, "What the heck is that happening?" Happened to, that happened to me a couple times too. I think it. I think like I'm wondering like the if hit the box was slower, <laughs> like smaller. Well, I, for me, I for me there were a couple times where I tried to hit the ravens and I it just wasn't working no matter how much I tried. And I think it's just because I was like not in the right area. It happened in Vanaheim a couple times where like there was one or two over the river or something. And I was aiming at it from like a long ways away. And I was like hitting it. But I think it was just like too far out of my range to register. I don't know. No trophy That's for not ravens. Really. No trophy for... Uh the treasure maps like there were in the last game so i got Which all the I'm ravens okay didn't get yeah. all the treasure maps um yeah i think but then there were other trophies for other things like all the sword hilts and all the relics and all the shields and which 
which we kind of talked i think the raven master drops a hilt so you kind of have to do it anyway oh there uh, you go that's yeah you kind of have to get sense. all the ravens anyway but yeah just not a specific trophy for it i guess um oh i it quick before we move on from the weapons i want to mention for the spear i use the uh, you know you throw it up in the 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 heavy runic attack i use the mm-hmm. throw up in the air one get all the because the that rain one fire down at them yeah exactly because it it would stun bosses for like five mm-hmm. seconds at least yes it was just perfect for stunning them or like and it in, would like follow them too like it wasn't one yeah. you could miss yes Except sometimes I would yeah, do it when was I was fantastic. close to them, and they would just, I would just get smoked by the Valkyrie Queen. I'm like, God dang it! <laughs> and then I just kind of used the normal. I think it was the first one I got, like the drill, kind of just sh- like, just kind of j- like thrust forward drill attack with the spear. From oh, my light. you had that. I did the one where you like stab them a bunch of times and injects it, and then you, and then, yeah, just like a oh, lot of that fast one's good. Man. But you know, maybe okay, yours was one, better. That, that one's cool too. I, uh, mine was mine was mine stunned bosses at least which i liked yeah, it was but. probably a better one <laughs> i <laughs> should have really upgraded the dragon armor when i was doing the boss because i did the one with like the full the more rage you have the more like mm. the bigger your melee attacks and all that which you know i guess you're using more runic stuff against bosses and whatnot and just dodging and i should have just done that when i was doing the bosses it probably would have been easier but i just loved the look of my armor i'm such an aesthetic over practicality person <laughs> in a game like that i'm like i just like you can't just cover up those beautiful pecs that that kratos has i mean you can't kratos cover has up been those, working for those yeah those abs he's looking great man you can't cover <laughs> that up with the dragon armor no matter how good it looks mm-hmm. <laughs> did you have a favorite yeah. fight in the game a favorite fight um I mean, I did. I did quite like the the whole final chapter a lot, um, but I thought Odin to... was actually relatively easy. Yeah, Odin wasn't too bad compared to the um, compared to the Valkyrie Queen. Ganah. Oh yeah, was to yeah. Me by far the toughest fight. Though okay, so the Berserker King and yeah, Ganah were the two toughest for me, but. I don't I mean I mean there has to be there's something satisfying about just beating the shit out of Heimdall Heimdall yes. right yeah <laughs> like his fight <laughs> that might be my favorite just because of the the pure satisfaction that comes from it um I'm trying to think of all the ones there were um yeah I don't know well did you have a favorite one no I I think what you said they're all they're all really good um I love I, the I love the finishers where you team up with like Atreus, and mm-hmm. I get the, I get it. They're little quick time events, but I like those. I love when they're so well integrated into the gameplay like that. Um, yeah, because I think it's just it's a quick time event, but it's it's based on mechanics you already use. It's not like completely random. Yeah. Like press this random thing to do this random thing you haven't done in the game before. It's like you're still doing. You're still putting your you know blades of chaos and their spine or whatever 
and then you're sh- shooting square with or shooting arrows with square it's all the same mechanics you're just doing it in a really cinematic satisfying way with really cool animations it just makes it look awesome and i think it, that's it's a good done, way of putting it it's done well here it's done really well i think in in Mar- in insomniac's spider-man game um i just i am a fan of those and I, I love those in games, honestly. I just think it makes it really immersive and it makes you feel really cool. Um, so I well, love when those are integrated and it just is it's very satisfying, in my opinion, especially when they're based on the mechanics that you use throughout the game. Well, and on, this, on a simpler level, it always just happens right at, like, when the boss's health is basically depleted anyway. Anyway, so, yeah, that's I mean, what I'm like. like he, you, you already earned that spot, so. Yeah, and I, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it, it's satisfying, and it, I found myself, like, I mean, it really only happened on the mini-bosses, but whenever I would fight a mini-boss and I wouldn't get that, it was just, like, way less satisfying. If I just, like, hit it, like, one more time and it would just die, I was like, oh, yeah. well. Like, that happened with me with a couple of the trolls. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, just didn't have the, the same punch. Like, with the dragons, um, where you, like, put the blades mm-hmm. of chaos and just go up the neck and it just... <laughs> shoot it with the arrows that's something i thought that was really cool so um first of all i mean i could go on about the bosses and the increased boss variety in this game which i think is just incredible i think it helps that since this ran on a similar and or probably the same engine that you know you, you could spend a lot more time making more of those um but oh no i just lost my train of thought <laughs> what was i gonna say about the about the trolls crap oh no uh, um the dragons are like entirely optional like i don't think you fight a single dragon in the story like just a normal dragon do you that's a great question i don't think so because uh, yeah i think in that and as well as like the big kind of rhinoceros dragon thing i can't remember what that one's called um i think those are both just mini bosses you fight a few times but they're entirely optional i don't think you fight any of them in the story so I, it's I just kind of right. this cool extra thing that incentivizes uh exploration and, and playing more of the side content you get these extra fights you never would have gotten in the main game imagine how like how much you would just miss out on if you just played the story <laughs> yeah you'd miss out on <laughs> the majority of the game i was um i I was uh, at my friend's house this weekend down in Lincoln and we, uh, he, his brother had just gotten a PS five and he was, uh, he's trying out Astrobot rescue mission just cause I told him to. And he was just like, it, it was, I mean, I know that it's a completely different type of game, but he was just like constantly running straight for the objective. He was not like running around collecting anything like just, even just when it's clearly visible there, he was just running straight for everything. And I'm like, I don't understand how people can play games like that. Well, I think it Is depends like, on how your interest level in the game. That's true. That's true. But I don't know. Even in games that I'm not like, maybe not even sold on entirely right away. I just, I'm, I'm always so into like, ex- like trying everything and looking around. I mean, so. you did platinum Lego Star Wars. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Good point. That's why I platinumed Lego Star Wars. The Skywalker saga, for clarification. Mm-hmm. The one that takes yes. a long time to platinum. 
Yeah, <laughs> the one that I wasted way too many hours. The one that he probably year, played too. more than God of War Ragnarok. Yep. Yep. Definitely. I was more. running straight for the objectives, and I didn't even finish. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, okay, before we dive into story, Sonic arrows or hex arrows? Sonic. Yeah, I was using. I was like, I kind of forgot what the hex arrows even were for. <laughs> at one point I'm well like, it, it, was it increases so, elemental mean, status i'm like yeah but the elemental status doesn't really i i tried to do it during the bosses and it's like oh hell it's just not doing enough elemental damage anyway so i guess i'll just do the sonic arrows and there was that one hilt that increased the drop near spears damage against sonic inflicted enemies so i was like well i'm just gonna mm-hmm. use that one then yeah, it, and it, I'm a big stun I mean, guy to get the animations because I was just a sucker for Kratos, the Kratos <laughs> animations. So I was doing everything I could do to pump up the stun meter. Yeah, Sonic just seems like it's way more useful on the fly. Like the hex arrows, I feel like you need more strategy for. And you know what? Maybe if you're someone who plays this game smarter than me or you, you know, me, or, me or Jimmy. Um, then maybe you'd find those more useful, but I don't know. It's just more useful to like spam sonic arrows, get the stun meter up and yeah, use it that way. I also, okay. I'm glad you brought that up because it was something I forgot to mention. Anytime there were hex arrow related puzzles, I was just annoyed. I, I think those were like, like my them. least. I did not like yeah. them. Cause it, for me, like it, I knew what I was supposed puzzles. to do, but it just didn't work half the time. Yeah. It's so, I mean, there were times where it like it just it felt like the arrows were not lighting up what they were supposed to be lighting up. But even like beyond that, the the chain the the blades of chaos have like a shorter range than I think they do. Like every single time I use them, and so there's there's just so many times where like I'm trying to you know light something on fire, and I've I've used all of these hex arrows to get it where I want to go, and then it's just like slightly too far away, and then I have to like redo the whole thing. Yeah to just reset it i and that's i uh that kind of replaced some of the the um other types of uh like nornier chest puzzles i think in this game so it just kind of felt annoying that they did that um i also feel like they just are like kratos you need to do this hey kratos why don't we try doing this like 30 seconds after like you start the puzzle and there is some sort of yes. accessibility function to like turn that off or something, is but it was, it was like an overall thing. So it was like make it harder, but then it would also make the Nornir chest hard. Like if you were doing the bell, or like you had oh, the ring, of bell, it would like gosh. make the time you had shorter. I'm like, well, I don't want to do that, but I also just don't want to be told what the answer is before I even have time to think about it. That is probably my biggest gripe is is no matter how far you are in the game. Yeah, this, the game treats I mean, the, the side characters treat you like a baby. Like if you fail one time just immediately and I, you know, maybe that's a response to some puzzles in the first game or something like maybe some people are having too much trouble with those. And if that's the case, great for them. But make it an option or something or it feels like they went too far in the opposite direction with this and i don't i don't know it that seems like something they could like somewhat easily patch out and i i've seen a lot of people complain about this so who knows maybe with that new game plus update they're coming out with this next year they'll do something about it but yeah it's it's annoying um 
I was going to say, oh, I don't know about you. I never used Frost or Waken or whatever the fire thing was, whatever the spear thing was. I only used what was the, the... What was the spear one? Was there a spear one? Was there a spear one? Maybe there wasn't. I only ever used, like, when the th- meter is full, hit left one and and triangle to, like, charge, to, like, you know, shoot, oh, yeah. blast, and all that. I, and that was great. I never used the Frost Awaken, ever. No. I don't think I, I... I did probably at the beginning when they first introduced it, but I quickly forgot about it. But, yeah, that... That left bumper triangle thing was just a godsend. Haha, <laughs> godsend. Anytime I used it in a boss battle, especially against those berserkers and stuff, like it would just, like it would basically make all of your attacks just like stun them, like almost sunlock them. So it was, that was great. Yeah. So I just thought that I didn't like that. And I feel like that's what replaced my favorite thing of hit doing headshots and then having the charged precision throw when you get it back and it like mm-hmm. has a frost blast from the first game, which I just loved doing. I thought it was so satisfying and I felt like this was what replaced it. And I just thought it was so inconvenient to do that in the middle of battle and not worth it. Mm-hmm. Like not the risk was not worth the reward. So I just yeah. never used no, it. No, I, yeah, it never really felt necessary to me. Um. Oh, I guess in that same vein, my favorite thing to do in the first game was like the cleave attack, the heavy, the whole right trigger to just mm-hmm. cleave enemies. But honestly, for me, I grew to love the alternate. I don't know if I like it more, but the the grabbing it and then throwing them was so great to use. I was supposed like, to get a. I had a high luck chance to get a health burst when doing that, and I hardly ever got it. I was like, "What the heck is this thing?" <laughs> Did was your luck like, low? Maybe that was it. Yeah, but it was a high luck chance. So I was like, why does it happen one every four times if it's a high luck chance? That's my one thing. Like, I wish they gave us like actual percentages rather than like it somewhat increases. It slightly increases. It greatly. I'm like, what does that mean to greatly increase? Just say it increases it mm-hmm. by 10% or like put it in parentheses. So if I know it's worth it or not, you're just using vague <laughs> amounts. which bothered me i'm like is this worth investing in you know yeah it's it's not very clear i i didn't really pay too close attention to most of those like if it was if there was ever a high luck chance of anything i i was more concerned with just straight up like passive benefits that were like almost guaranteed or whatever um Sometimes I would get I would get benefits like from those chances that I just didn't even know was a thing. Like I don't there was one I don't know if it was was it uh what's the the dwarf lady in the game? What's Lunda. 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 Was it her armor did something about would like poison enemies or something? I don't know if it was her armor or if that was a shield thing. It, there was yeah, something it would about poison like poison enemies. Yeah, and I like didn't know that was that like happened until a little bit after I got it, and I was like, "Oh, that's nice." With parries but, and melee attacks, I think. And okay, last that's second what it was. invasions or whatever. And that's why it happened so often was because I was just doing that stuff all the time. Um, but yeah, uh, most of those things, I I mean, I I more of just went honestly for overall stat increases and stuff. Uh, yeah, I do. Like, I agree. Ast- 
I like the, how they changed the amulets instead mm-hmm. of the socket system, whatever they had that first one with enchantments or something, was it? Yeah, it was enchantments, I think. Because those are like tied to your armor. Like I think you, once you put them in, you maybe you could get them out. Something. I don't remember. I think you could get them out, yeah. I don't remember. It's been a while. But yeah, the the new way they do it with the yeah, just the amulet and that was always nice and satisfying to get a new part for that repairing it and it felt like by the end of it you just had so many. And there it got to a point where I was like I don't even know like what what to get for this. I feel like I have everything I need, but yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, um well, now that we're 30 minutes into this, should we talk about the story? <laughs> probably. Jimmy, it's a it's a long game. I was fully expecting this review to be long. We have a lot to say. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm glad we're talking about it. Uh, the story. I think it's, I like the themes they're going for. I like the, you know, do you decide fate or is it destiny? Like, does it matter? You know, mm-hmm. I like how they kind of, it was like, is this all just predestined and does it matter what we do and, and all that? And I like how they really took it like, no, this is, we chose to do this. We're not doing mm-hmm. this because it's our fate. We're choosing to do it because it's based on our values. And yeah, but it, and like they are choosing it, but then there's also constantly the um, just the question of like they yeah you feel like you're choosing it, but are you really? Because like I mean, they're choosing these things, but then like still some of the same things come to pass and they keep like kind of gra- like grasping on the idea that they're choosing their own fates like i think the big one is like atreus is like trying to stop ragnarok by like kind of learning more about odin and, and asgard and all of that and he just he just keeps like following the prophecy inadvertently but then he keeps being like no no i'm, I'm still gonna like not do it but I mean, he ends up kind of doing it, but on his own terms. So it's 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 still like, it is still like iffy about how much of it is predetermined and how much of it is your own choice. It's it's very interesting, and it doesn't really give you a, a direct answer either. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Oh, we're getting late in this review. Up, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think. I think the story gets a lot better as it goes, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, yeah. I think it is. it does not have just the momentum precision of the, of the first one. The first game, I think the story is just so concise to the yeah, point it- and effective pretty much the entire time. Like, there's not a part of that game that I don't look forward to. I know you don't really like Alfheim, but I liked that in the first game. Mm-hmm. Whereas this, I feel like it's just more meandering and unfocused. Whereas, I mean, and not that this is a bad story. I think it's a very good story. And I think it's got mm-hmm. a lot of good themes. I think it does a really good job with a lot of these characters. Um, And a lot of that doesn't really come into clarity until the end. And I don't know if it fully justifies kind of the meandering throughout all that whereas the first one it's just laser focused the entire time and it just it helps that there's like in the first game there's just it's a lot smaller scale just in general and there's fewer characters and everything but it's not small scale though like it's not small scale it's still pretty big 
I mean, that's a 40. Yeah, hour, it's a but 30 it's, to 40 it's hour mostly game. just. Yeah, but it's mostly just focus. I mean, like you break it down to its very bare like element, and it's just Kratos and Atreus trying to get to a location, basically. Yeah, which I think is why it works so well. Whereas this one, it's like, what is the goal is to stop Ragnarok? Okay, mm-hmm. how do we do that? And I, and I, I think inherently it's going to be messy because it's like the characters don't have don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, yeah, I think it it finds its groove. Um, we should we talk about tier? Sure. Yeah. So tier is the Norse god of war. Obviously, um, I, yeah, I guess you've probably played this game already. But um, him uh, him being introduced, it was interesting because he's he's presented as kind of a pacifist. Um, which is, I mean, I feel like that's a logical, um, a, a logical just angle to take a character like that because you want him to be clashing with Kratos, who has never really been. I mean, he he wants to be peaceful, but he's never really found that peaceful methods are the best or anything. Um, so, kind of having that little dynamic is interesting. But then, of course, well, I think they're on the they, same page for like because they're both trying to be like that we can't go to war we can't do ragnarok yeah they are i i think i mean i get hints though that like kratos does get frustrated just in tears like total lack of willing to do anything though um just i was frustrated i'm like is this going anywhere i was like i don't (laughs) like tear it this is just boring he's not doing anything I was like, they're just building him up to come in at the end and like, oh, I have to embrace this. And then and then, and then it's just not tear at all. <laughs> yeah, it turns out the reason why he wasn't wanting to do anything um, productive is because he was actually Odin the whole time. And it was just like trying to subtly lead the group astray, basically. Um, and that's revealed and he, he ends up killing Brock, which is pretty sad devastating i was so upset (laughs) were you really (laughs) i was like in denial i was like he just he didn't just do that like they're gonna save him i'm like he's killed i'm like okay we're gonna we're gonna kill this odin guy (laughs) he's gotta go ragnarok and on and brock is just kind of has i think brock is one of the more subtly tragic characters just in general in this game because i mean he <laughs> like right before he dies he you know finds out that he's not even like completely alive like he's not truly a whole person with his piece of a missing soul and when he dies he won't lot- have an afterlife yeah like, yeah sad and and there's just a, several things that go wrong with him and then of course his death is it's just it's so sad <laughs> and i mean out of all the characters who were going to die, I wasn't really expecting that, especially since in the first game, you know, Brock and Sindri are primarily, you know, comic relief. Sure, they're helpful with the story and everything, but that's the main purpose they serve in that game, in addition to, you know, just gameplay stuff. But in this game, there's just so much more central to the, the conflict and overall emotion of the story. I feel like Sindri was a different character in this game. Like in the first game, he's like a really big germaphobe, and this one, he's like that is not an element at all. He's like, let's do this, let's get this, and then I mean, clearly towards the end, he's just 
very nihilistic and angry. Yeah, I I agree with the germaphobe thing. I think aside from that, he's he's still pretty he's still pretty similar. Um, but I mean, that's the vast majority of his personality in the first game is being a germaphobe. Yeah, I don't see. It's hard for me to remember the early hours of the game if that plays an element at all, because um, it feel it would feel weird to me if they just dropped it completely. But I don't know. I really liked the direction they took Sindri. It was so. It was so. I mean completely not what i was expecting no it for does the silly not have dwarf a germaphobe character no no it's i mean he's just he gets so as you said nihilistic and um he ends up being the one that just kills odin like just destroys him at the end which i thought was was satisfying um and then yeah he just i mean even with the epilogue kind of mission he never fully forgives kratos and atreus for everything that's happened speaking of epilogue missions not even like if i wasn't trophy hunting i wouldn't even known about the prison in yeah (laughs) where just real tear is like what the heck like this is so i feel like this is massive it's just (laughs) hidden like there's no suggestion at all of it I honestly I think that's I that's one of the things I love I mean getting off of story just a tad bit here I one of the things I love about the end game in this game after you beat it is it just feels like there I mean there's not a ton of them but there's just like little things that you can find or encounter or do that feel like closure for certain characters or just kind of showing what happens after Ragnarok and everything and I think it does, uh, there's, I mean, there's not really any of that in the 2018 one, as far as I can remember. Well, you Granted, can, I think you can, which I didn't do this the first playthrough of the 2018 one, but you go home after you go to the mountain and then that's when. Thor oh, arrives, that's right. Which I didn't do that's the first right. I time did. I played it. <laughs> like, I didn't know that. I don't was think I did. <laughs> Until I played it the second I, time I got the platinum and I went home and that scene happened. I'm like, what the heck? How did I miss this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I honestly think I forgot to do that in my second playthrough, but you're right. I did do that. Um, but yeah, I just love that in this game. And so, yeah, it's, it is just weird that you just find tear um, there, but I think that's, it's cool that at least it happens sometime. Right. Cause I mean, we, I mean, we had this fake tear the whole time. And so now we're, yeah, there's the question in the air of is tear even still alive or anything. Um, and that doesn't get resolved by the end of the game. So at least, at least it's there. I liked it. Um, it felt, it gave, it gave, it gave at least like that little side quest a little bit more importance, which is cool. I like the climax. I didn't absolutely love the climax. Personally. Sure. I was a little underwhelmed actually really it wasn't there was nothing bad about it it just was missing a little extra for me hmm i thought it was weird that you didn't actually fight ragnarok yourself at any point because it felt like it was building to that i didn't really get the sense of that i honestly thought it was pretty great in general i thought it was very exciting um 
I just like one was basically the only time you go through. I mean, it was the only time you go through Asgard as as Kratos. I thought that was really cool. And just like everything happening around you and like all of these. I mean, you're constantly interacting with all these different characters. And I think that's all woven together pretty well. Um, all of these. And you switch in between Freya and Atreus a few different times as your partner. And that's pretty cool how they do all that. Um, and I, I really liked the Thor and Odin fights personally. I, I thought they were really quite good. Yeah, and Thor, uh, Thor's especially just in terms of emotional payoff. I was like, I mean, at this point in the game, you you almost feel just bad fighting him. (laughs) It's and so you're, it's kind of this tragic thing, and then of course Odin kills him, and that sucks. Um, I would have liked more Thor. I thought they. They didn't overhype Thor, but they I think they overhyped how involved Thor would be. There really wasn't okay. that much Thor in this game. No. I mean, cuz you have the fight at the beginning, fight at the end. Um you have the stuff then, when you're at the tra- when you're Atreus. Yes. And that we stuff's all great. Discussed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at all. See, there's so much to this game. Um But yeah, I mean, Thor is great when he's there. Um, and I really like his dynamic with his daughter and, and his wife, Sif. And who's even played Odin. by Elena from uh, Uncharted. Oh, really? And I was like, she sounds so familiar. And I kept listening to her conversation with Thor. I'm like, oh, she's Elena, I bet. And I looked it up and it is Emily Rose. Is the actress. Okay. And she, or he, his like relationships with everyone is so like just different than what I was expecting. Right. I think I'm just like so used to this type of character having, you know, a strained family life where, you know, he's just not, he and his wife are arguing all the time and he's kind of estranged from his daughter. And that part's a kind of accurate to an extent, but I mean, it's, it's more complex than that. And he actually so I think cares. even like well, he's a recovering yeah, alcoholic and stuff. It's, it's interesting and he, like relapses yep. and his relationship with Throod is really interesting I think and Sif is yeah. also pre- pretty interesting yeah no I I think I, I agree with you I wish we got more of him but I think what we got of him was good I also um, thought that and oh go ahead oh I I was gonna move on and say I really liked Odin but I don't what were you gonna say Odin's great <laughs> no I was gonna just talk about another character I thought was just underused but um, Odin is great. I, I thought Odin was fantastic. He is just so... Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just thought Odin was just going to be this big, powerful, intimidating, mm-hmm. like, specimen. And really, he's, like, just the soft-spoken, gentle, small, you know, <laughs> you know yeah. unassuming First time- guy. First time he appears, he's just this—he's just a small man, and he—I mean—he has a presence about him. He's—he's he's clearly very intelligent and knows he's kind of a master manipulator yeah, kind of you, character. You but kind of think like—is he a good guy? Like, am I on yeah, the wrong side? Yeah, I mean, he's so like—he's so willing to like accommodate Atreus and like Atreus' various misgivings about him. He's very, it's, you know, he's very uh, forgiving and hospitable and, you know, mm-hmm. he relates to Atreus. He's like, yeah, this is, of course you think this. And 
you know, and then you think about where is Atreus getting his information about um, Odin from, you know, like his former advisor Mm -hmm. and, you know, the person who killed his relatives and all these things. Yeah, and I think that's in, there's that mission where you're with Throod and you're kind of discussing that about, like, Throod's perception of Odin versus Atreus's, and I think that's just really interesting and kind of makes you think twice a little bit even though i mean you're pretty sure that odin's still just going to end up being the villain and he is but yeah there's a little bit of doubt there yeah um i was gonna say anger boda seems very underused yeah uh she was even though okay personally the the jotunheim chapter i think is my least favorite part of the game um, I like Angerboda a lot, and I think she's great in that, and that's where she really shines because she has some. She, you know, she truly believes in that destiny is set and everything. Prophecies are set because she works with them constantly, and then she has that whole thing with her, her grandma. I think it is. Um, yeah, which that that's a pretty good scene. Um, but yeah, she's she is kind of underutilized. I think. Well, she just she disappears for the vast majority of the game. Yeah. Until which like one scene like... later and the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I th- yeah, she's not in it too much, but yeah, she's great. She's great. I bet we'll probably get more of her if we get more. Yeah, well, I mean, they said, they said the, got, I thought they said the Norse stuff was over. They did. But I don't know if we get more Atreus. I mean, see, I, I was kind of just doing reading into like, just Norse uh, mythology later, and Angerboda is Loki's wife. Hmm. In in mythology, so my guess is if we get more Atreus, we'll get more her. And Atreus talks about how she how there's like a girl he likes and everything. Like there's some pretty funny moments with that <laughs> just uh, casual conversation between Kratos and Mimir and stuff. But yeah, my guess is we'll get mo- more of her regardless of if it's more Norse stuff or not. I want them to go to Egypt, man. Me too. I think that's the next logical step. I just want more. <laughs> just give me mm-hmm. m- God of more. <laughs> that's what I God want. of more. <laughs> Please. Um, Egypt would, be cool. you know, it'd be cool if they went to Greece. Oh wait. No wait, <laughs> Rome. You do Rome, yeah. Do they Roman? You know, Roman you could really do that though. It's like these gods were resurrected, kind of mm-hmm. in these new forms, and God, Kratos is like, "Oh man, I got to do this all over again." <laughs> Here we go again. And then he, you know, and then he really has to dive back into the past with Atreus, and kind of that would get, be interesting. And then maybe Atreus is like, "Yeah, I knew you did some stuff in your past, but I didn't realize you were like this." <laughs> coming to grips with that and you know does your past define who you are now and do you deserve to get second chances and who doesn't and that would be an interesting concept holden cory ball balrog let's get him not balrog barlug balrog <laughs> you shall not pass not. <laughs> uh we should get him on the phone right now say hey we should rome <laughs> but you know egypt's good too i just combine them all let, you know, let's get God of War and and <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> God of War, Jesus. Um, God of War, <laughs> crucifixion. 
Uh, yeah, you mentioned a little bit ago, we have not talked about Atreus at all. <laughs> like, basically, literally one of the core features of the game. And, um, I mean, we can talk about him as a character in this game first. Um, and he, I mean, he's great. I, I think Atreus continues being one of the most interesting parts. I mean, I, I was, you know, part of me was worried since he was kind of a teenager in this game that they would go like a whiny teenager route. I mean, I know that's cliche and maybe too cliche for this. I mean, it's definitely too cliche for this game, but I mean, they, they go like the route of, you know, rebellious teenager, but in a lot more interesting way. It's not like the cliche you would see in a lot of these, a lot of movies or games that would focus on a teenage character. Um, no, I just I love how they and, do their relationship because and Kratos is like mm-hmm. the understanding dad too. You know, like yeah, their relationship's great and like especially at the beginning, it's like almost too perfect. And Kratos is like, oh, great, like he knows yeah, how see, to do it. Like it, he doesn't need me anymore. Like him realizing Kratos that. literally smiles at the beginning of the game. It's kind of creepy. It is. <laughs> like he's just Kratos is too happy. What no boy, <laughs> boy, what are you doing? Well, that's Boy, why uh, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? I'm glad you mentioned that. There's there's a couple times in the game where Kratos calls Atreus boy, and it's always kind of like a gut punch moment. Like it's usually when he's like yelling at Atreus for doing something, or he's angry at Atreus, and you can just tell. I mean, just by that word that he's angry at him because he had moved past using that. Atreus using that's Kratos' own words against touch. him. Don't be sorry, father. Be better. Yeah, be better. I was waiting for it. I was like, he's going to land it. <laughs> I teared up it was at the great. end, Holden. Dude. No, the... Okay, so... Bro, bro. I mean, <laughs> I guess if we want to talk about the ending now, we can. But no, the... Hit, I didn't even tear up at Atreus leaving. I cheered up at Kratos seeing the prophecy of himself. You did. On, uh, I, I, yeah, that, that was the part. I, I was welling up there, but I was more when, Kratos, when uh, Atreus left. And that was sad. I and you know what? I'm guessing the 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 prophecy bit was just kind of pushing me over the edge. But God, Christopher Judge is just so good. He is. <laughs> in this. He's well deserved that game award. Um, but he's yeah. It's it's incredible what motion capture like the, the ability, uh, the way that he's able to just put his acting talent through that motion capture and make it so convincing and god yeah he, kratos says goodbye to atreus and it's, it's sad we'll probably see atreus again at some point whether he's the main character of the next game or just another supporting role or another equally playable character whatever um but yeah kratos kratos seeing the prophecy of himself on the back i mean consider i mean there's a big focus especially in this game of like odin makes a point to tell kratos he's never going to be like a peaceful loved god or whatever and there's there's multiple references to it and so kratos seeing that and being satisfied and almost crying at the sight of it was just got me yeah um shoot i was gonna say something and now i forgot uh, but <laughs> gosh, what else is there even to talk about? Uh, I mean, Kratos gameplay was fun. Um, I wish his melee stuff was a little bit more interesting, but you I mean, Atreus. Yeah. Sorry, Atreus. Uh, 
I'm like, well, yeah, we talked about Kratos gameplay for a while. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, like you said, I think either in person or uh, when we were talking on the podcast, just like you upgrade him pretty quickly and then it's like, okay, got him upgraded now. I don't really have anything else left to do with him. But I don't think yeah, his parts and- are overly long. No, no. And I honestly, aside, well, I do think Jotunheim for me was too long, and that's probably the main it reason why I didn't really. just one of those, whatever it was, a yak or whatever that thing was that you wrote on, Bantha thing. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> the Bantha. One of those too many, I think. I'm like, I don't think we need to gather this fruit, okay? Your, your animals <laughs> will be okay, Anger Boda. Let's just go but fight aside your from big that, those... grandma. Yeah. <laughs> aside from that, the... the his sections yeah they were fun and i liked his dynamic with thor and throod and all of that and um but yeah i think it's it's kind of a tough thing to balance because on one hand you want to be able to fully upgrade him as a character but also you're like clearly not giving him the open world capabilities of kratos so he has a limited time to get to that point Mm -hmm. so I think I just wish like maybe it was stretched out a little bit longer, but I don't know. Maybe it was like a play testing thing where they found this is the optimal length where some people like, you know, the people that may not go for all the side, you know, every down, down every beaten path. This is like the optimal, you know, skill tree for them to get fully powered up. But I don't know. When he punches the chest is just a great moment in gaming. It was so good. Ah, God, that hurts, or whatever he says. (laughs) That was really funny. Yeah, Um, I like how he just struggles to open the coffins and stuff. He's he's just, like, pushing with all of his weight on all of them. It's it's great. Um, I I think one thing that kind of ties into that, I think the, the comedy in this game works really well. I like I think this game is very funny. Mostly obviously in the like the side stuff when it's Mimir banter or whatever, but I think it's funnier than the first game. I think there's more attempts at comedy and I think it all pretty much works for me. I don't know one of Brock's, I don't know what you, Brock's line. He says like something like, Well, that's about as useful as a fart in a hurricane or something like that. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just fun s- stuff like that and Mimir continues to be just a great companion. I was there was I was constantly worried Mimir was gonna die. I don't think the game necessarily like builds up to it or anything, but I like going into this game, I'm like, like Mimir's already basically dead. Is he just gonna like sacrifice himself or something for some reason? But I'm glad he's not. Yeah, I was mainly focused on Kratos. So I was like, oh no, are they gonna kill Kratos? Obviously, the prophecy ends up being Odin. You look at the picture again, it very much looks like Kratos and not Odin, but who okay. <laughs> guess Anger Boda <laughs> needs to get her eyes checked or something. <laughs> I need to I need to like sit down and look at those prophecy paintings. I looked at what... it again and I was like, uh, Okay. Looks very much like Kratos. <laughs> Boy, I, where here's where I thought it was going. Because you could tell like say his like soul is leaving the body. Mm-hmm. I thought that Kratos was going to put his soul in one of those Kratos' soul in like one of those balls. Oh. And then he was going to transfer him over to something. I don't know. That's where I thought that was. Or he's going to hold on to him or something. That's where I thought yeah. it was going. Yeah, I mean, I could see that 
I mean, heck, that could still be what happens in a future game or something. Who knows? But but then it ended yeah. up being uh, the uh, Fenrir and Degarm, which was a nice one. Yeah. Yeah. I really liked that whole... Um, I thought it was really interesting, the the whole the giants being put into animals and how they... That's how... What's his name? The the world serpent gets created. Yeah. Um, Atreus basically makes him, which makes sense because there's a few lines in the first game about how like the how time affects the world serpent is not quite how it affects everyone else and everything. So mm-hmm. good build up there. Um, but yeah. Um, we're, we're working our way backwards to an extent, but the opening to this game, we kind of talked about it in first impressions, I think, but the, I, I love the Thor fight at the beginning of this game. It's very good. Yeah. It's, it's so good. I think I, I personally might like it more than the stranger fight in the first game. I know the stranger fight is like, it's great because it was like so unexpected and everything, but I, I just, I don't know. Something about the Thor fight just clicked with me. I'd have lot. to play it back to back. Mm-hmm. but both very um, good they are they are and there's the fake out death which i think happens no matter what did i i don't think you can avoid the fake out death in that fight where it goes to like the game over screen and thor then like <laughs> uh jolts your heart yeah to keep i think you so. alive i think that's when you're supposed to lose yeah yeah i hate those um <laughs> i hate those because <laughs> then i'm like oh god Dang it! There's one ghost of Sushi at the beginning. I was I was watching this uh, YouTuber. Um, I sometimes watch play through it, and they had turned on the accessibility thing where you just like for the quick time events where it's like multiple presses. It's just like holding it. And so when he got to that point and he just held it, he's like, "Well, why did I lose?" I was like, "It's not that hard." <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, that's that's funny. Um. So that's all good. Um, Freya. Was oh, we, good. we haven't talked about Freya. What? She just becomes a good guy pretty quickly. I thought that was going to take longer. Yeah. Um, I think I'm okay with it though. Like I, I think they explain. Yeah. I, ex- I think they explain it pretty well. Um, I am surprised that she wasn't more of a constant threat while she was a villain or she's an antagonist rather. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they explain it like, oh, she never, you know, will probably truly be able to forgive Kratos, but, you know, they're trying to work for the same goal right now, so it makes sense. And, uh, yeah, I just liked her and, you know, f- her brother Freyr, I thought, was a, a fun addition to the mm-hmm. cast. Um, noble sacrifice at the end of the game. Um, the guy knows how to smooth character. talk the elves, I guess. He does. He does. Yeah, the I I think okay. So the actual um Alfheim level where it's just like the linear part in this game, I don't like as much as the first one. I don't and I think it's one of the weaker parts of the game. But Same. I think Alfheim in general I like more in this game. I like the d- open desert areas with all the stuff to do in there and I think it's just like this the lore they dig into with like Freyr and like like the, there's those two there's the light elf and dark elf that are like in love or whatever all of these like different threads that i think just make their conflict a bit more interesting in this game so i think it works just as a whole 
like having the first game mm-hmm. and then doing that one and then reflecting on oh did we you know did we do the right thing here and all of that yeah yeah and then yeah the focus of that linear part is against the light elves versus the dark elves in the first one which is pretty cool just makes me want to play the first um, one again <laughs> it, yeah <laughs> such a good i just game. replayed it so i'm not quite feeling that play it last year yeah I should play it again then. It's about time. <laughs> yeah, once a year. Here we go. <laughs> um, there's another character I'm trying to remember that I we hadn't talked about yet. Um, there's Ratatasker. Ratatasker. That was fun. I don't. Um, I didn't need Ratatasker, but he didn't annoy me. He was interesting. He yeah. He was basically just a side character the whole time. So, um. Oh, that reminds me. Honestly, okay, one of the cooler fights is the 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 world tree monster thing with the portals and everything. I thought that was a pretty fun fight. I I kind of forgot about it until now until you oh, talked about Freya? Tasker, but yeah, with Freya. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. And I okay, Freya's quickly go over Freya's how she affects gameplay I really like her implementing the Valkyrie abilities yeah and everything as you upgrade her I thought that was really cool and it felt satisfying because a lot of her upgrades were just literally adding more moves to her move set so it was like she could do more things so it wasn't even just like doing more damage but she just had a greater variety of what she would do that was pretty cool yeah fun companion um what else oh the score music in this game great great very good very good i mean it's like the first one uses a lot of the same stuff there's uh they remix a lot of the pieces from the first one especially like like realm themes or character themes but i think a lot of the remixes honestly landed more for me than the originals so i think i like the score overall more in this i think i prefer the first one that's fair. There's a few there's a few pieces from the first one that I really like that weren't in this one. All right. Um what? I think uh we should probably wrap this up here. Yeah, I just I I'm trying to like rack my brain cuz I feel like there's like big chunks that we've missed. But I don't know. Um Oh, you, well, quickly, you said, so you ended up using the mystical heirloom stuff. Mm-hmm. You went and killed all those yep. trolls and everything. Yeah, I didn't know anything about that until I think I'd already platinumed the game at that point. And then I kind of looked it up and I was like, oh, some extra mini boss fights. Why not? I'll go do them. So I thought that the trolls were really easy. Yeah. Like maybe um, you're supposed to fight them earlier on <laughs> or something. Pro- I think probably because you can get that. You can get that, like, as soon as you unlock the spear. So I think for a lot of those, like, at that point in the game, you're supposed to be able to play them. But, yeah. Who's going to just sit and figure (laughs) that out, though? Yeah. I don't... That's when you need the internet. Yeah, for sure. It's not very clear. Um, Yeah, I think we can move on, I guess. Yes. I guess, Jimmy. I think we can. All right. Wow, that was a long time. All right, Holden, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? No, what are you doing? What are you doing? 
What am I doing, Jimmy? Well, uh, good thing this has been a long episode because I also watched a lot of things this week. But that's okay. Oh I'll just gosh. run through most of them. Most of them are, most of them, <laughs> well, most of them were just Christmas movies uh, that I had seen before. I watched, I think I mentioned I watched Home Alone 1. I watched Home Alone 2, rewatched It's a Wonderful Life, really liked it. Um, the new one I watched I hadn't seen before was White Christmas, um, which it was, yeah, it was cool. It's, I'm not, it, it's an interesting movie because it's called White Christmas, but I think it, like, content-wise has about as much to do with Christmas as Die Hard does. So, like, <laughs> I feel like if people consider White Christmas a Christmas movie, then you can consider Die Hard one, too. Shouldn't be that much of a controversial opinion. I think I've seen a um, play version of White Christmas. Okay, yeah, it's, it's yeah, big stage musical as well. Um, But the other big movie I watched this week, because I thought we were going to go see Babylon last week, I finally watched First Man, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, what'd you think? I liked it a lot um it was yeah it was it was very good i don't really have any complaints it's visually dazzling it's uh i think like any of the sequences in space are just incredible i I don't it's i want to know it isn't it make you just be like how on how the heck did this happen (laughs) like with 19 yeah like this is insane why did anybody think this was a good idea i mean also just from the filmmaking it like I'm pretty sure, like, the majority of it was CG. I mean, I I have little doubt of that. But it also looks like it could not be. And so I was, like, I was constantly trying to figure out how they were filming certain things. And the... The the whole sequence on the moon, it honestly kind of felt like just a giant soundstage that was just, like, completely black aside from, like, certain, like, big spotlights. Well, they reused Stanley Kubrick's set. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> but that was it, that was very cool. I just yeah, the whole movie. I think maybe it was a little too long for my taste. Um, it's probably my least favorite of his movies that I've seen. Probably mostly for that. But I mean, Ryan Gosling is great. Claire Foy is very good. Um, the music is good just, by Justin Hurwitz. Yes, yes, great score. Um, it just the poor guy like everyone in his life just dies <laughs> like there's so many people that just die in that movie i'm like jesus christ but yeah i i really liked it um but yeah and then tv watching i've just been watching some superman the animated series not much more aside from that um and then video games i uh, so I started last week Little Nightmares, which is just a little indie game that I was kind of playing to tide me over for Christmas, and it was very good. A very creepy, just puzzle platformer game. I was, it kind of had like a little cutesy aesthetic, even though it's called Little Nightmares, so I was expecting it not to go quite as into like, like horror as it did, but it was pretty creepy. A very unique type of horror game. Um, but then... One of the things I got for Christmas, Jimmy, is Horizon Forbidden West. Nice. And you Finally, started. I did. I'm not very far. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's more Horizon. The gameplay is pretty good. Um, it's interesting. The intro, it, there's, there's like a boss fight at the end of the intro chapter. And I was like, this feels like way more of a boss fight 
like actual boss fight than anything the last game had because i felt like the last game did have some but it was mostly just like big machines that you may still fight again this one felt like it was staged as like an actual boss fight so it was just a bit different um graphically it's it is beautiful i think one i've kind of forgot to mention it in god of war but um that game very much just looks like it's the same engine as god of war 2018 with just like little touch-ups it doesn't really look that much better but i think i don't know if horizon forbidden west is on a new engine but i think it is like a significant graphical improvement over the first game and i think the the first first game looks good yeah yeah so like that's saying something so i don't i mean I, I don't like comparing God of War Ragnarok with a game I literally am like an hour into, but I think at least as of right now, that is the one thing I'll say I prefer for Horizon over God of War, but we'll see if that holds up or not. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun so far. We'll see where it goes. Um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much it for me, Jimmy. What about you? What have you been doing? Uh, movie-wise, saw Jingle All the Way for the first time, Holden. Oh, what'd you think? <laughs> I thought it was not very good. Do you like that? One? Yeah, no, it's not. Because I know you rewatched it for your. Didn't you write an Arnold Schwarzenegger paper? Yeah, I did for my movie class or my yeah my like critique class. Um, and I could not remember if you liked it or not. I mean, I I think it's I think it's pretty bad, but I thought I was entertained by it. I like. Phil I, Hart- I enjoyed Phil my Hartman's time with great it. In it. I think. Yes. Phil Hartman's just so like slimy in that movie. It's so like cartoonishly slimy. It's it's hilarious. Of course, you have the classic uh, "Put the cookie down." Yeah, lion. Classic. Um, yeah, it, I did it's not realize stupid, Jake but... Lloyd was in that movie. Oh yeah, that's right. Boy, I thought it was. It's I like really... that in Empire or, or Phantom Menace. Those are like the only two movies he was in. I. I thought it was quite bad and quite unfunny. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I thought it did not age well, but uh, I've seen it now, so. Um, cross that off your bucket list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I watched the end of It's a Wonderful Life and the first 45 minutes of It's a Wonderful Life. Good movie. Because <laughs> it was playing on TV all day, and that's what my parents were doing when I came up. Have you seen it before? Yes, I have. Okay. It's a good movie. It, it makes is. me cry every time. Yeah, it get, I I don't think it did the first time. It got me close this time. Um, well, then you're soulless. <laughs> and uh, let's see. And then uh, video game wise, Emily and I started playing It Takes Two. Ooh, nice. So that's been fun. How is it? It's fun. It The story is like laughably bad. But uh, the really? gameplay is pretty fun. <laughs> I it's just funny that that game won Game of the Year last year, and then it's like you have God of War Ragnarok and Elden Ring this year. It's like this is not in the same league. <laughs> <laughs> but it's fun. It's fun. I actually think I like uh, A Way Out better, which I think it's by the same studio. But I played yeah, that with my is. sister last year. Have you played that one? You played that one, mm-hmm. right? I haven't played either. Oh, I think A Way Out is way better than i thought it was gonna be like the there's like legitimate set piece action moments in a way out that i was not expecting from like an indie studio but mm. they're like it's not like uncharted level but it's not that far behind <laughs> so um 
I think that's fun. But yeah, that's a good time. Um, otherwise, oh, uh, so one of my goals for a winter break is to catch up on my VR back catalog since the new headset's coming out mm-hmm. and it's uh, the PSVR 2 is not going to be compatible with a lot of PSVR 1 games. So I just started uh, I Expect You to Die today. Played the first oh, three nice. missions, so I had a lot of fun. I forgot that you could like telekinesis push things away from you and just drop them. So there was one part where I was trying to throw thing throw something across like the map and i was getting so frustrated <laughs> that i missed it and then i was like oh i could just telekinesis it, it over and just land it where exactly where it needs to go and then i felt pretty dumb <laughs> <laughs> but i didn't have to look anything up i did it all by myself holding the first three so nice looking forward to doing the rest of those otherwise there's probably something else that i've done that i'm just forgetting but that's where I'm going to leave it because my goodness, Holden, this has been a long one. All right. What's going on <laughs> next week? Uh, so next week, it'll probably be a lot shorter because, I mean, we're recording this on a Tuesday, so it won't even be a full week next time. But uh, we're going to do Babylon, new Damien Chazelle film. Um, that'll we'll probably record on the first of the year. So, I mean, if we want, we could probably talk about either anticipated or something else or yeah i guess anticipated would be the big one um but we'll see babylon for sure um but yeah if you want to leave us a request you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on itunes or by emailing us at top podcast at gmail.com or by donating to our patreon um happy or merry belated christmas happy holidays happy belated holidays for those of you whose holidays have already passed um yeah i think that's it for me jimmy all right well merry christmas happy holidays and merry christmas for next year and happy holidays for next year so we don't forget and have a happy new year everybody uh we'll be back to you next year we'll see you next year olman (laughs) yeah um sure will yeah and even though this podcast has been long it's still going to be 45 minutes shorter than babylon (laughs) so all right when that thought uh win-win adios pantalones love you that one movie podcast